anyways, and so it's just like, so what about some climate change? And she just, oh my god, like it's a spoof, like it's a it's a conspiracy theory. And she's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So there's a scientific consensus, and you don't believe it. And yeah. she's like, she's like, no, they're just trying to make money. Because it was Al Gore or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, trash. Anyways, this is not the Joe Rogan experience. It's not. This is the. You are tuned in to self hire. (laughs) In the mix. In the mix. I'm here. uh, I'm here with someone super uh, dope. (laughs) Is that that's what the kids are saying? That's what the kids are saying. I I don't know. I have a very insightful, intelligent, impactful engineer and producer out of uh, North Vancouver who's worked with what I consider the best artist in BC to be in the urban genre. Urban music, yeah. Urban music? Hip-hop, R&B, and everything in between. Do you do reggae? I've done a bit of reggae, but I definitely wouldn't identify Say as that's a reggae true. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like reggae. But. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the phone's open. But uh, yeah. um, someone who's worked with guys from, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Terrell Safadi, uh, Mercules, Snack, uh, who else am I missing right now? There's tons of guys you've worked with. Yeah, uh, T-Loke. Lots of guys have, over, over the past decade and a half. I've been recording rap music in... Uh, in Vancouver, so I've been blessed to work with, excuse me, like many of the, the guys that have been doing a long time. I'm working with a lot of fresh talent, you know, up, mm. up and coming guys. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Who are you looking out for in Vancouver right now? Uh, Who are the young guys coming up? Well, there's a lot of like these young guys from Surrey, like my man G Kane. He's dope. He's this kid, he's, he's this kid from Surrey, from Guilford. He always reps G Town. Um, Guilford G Town. G Town. <laughs> we from G Town, baby. Yeah, uh, and he's one of those young boys I really, really like. Um, I met some of his homies, like uh, EBA Mob, that 200 kid. I don't think he's actually from here, but he hangs out out there. And just that Fraser 456 guy, 465, sorry, bro, messed it up. But I met that kid. He's dope, too. Still the plug. Still the plug. But yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of up-and-comers. Um, you know, I find I'm working, I've got a lot of long-standing relationships. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the people that I, I spend the most time with, I've been building with for many years. So it might be some of the more veteran guys that have been at it for a while. You right. build those relationships, right? And that's where you, mm-hmm. you tend to But their quality. With. Quality. Well, that's the thing is you build these relationships with people. Same thing with anything creative. And the goal is basically to be indispensable, right? You got to work yourself and you got to provide value mm-hmm. and you got to become an essential part as any creative of, of what you do for your clients, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you become really ingrained in their process and what they do. And it's... Uh, and it goes both ways, right? I mean, so those relationships, when they work, tend to be really long-standing because there's a certain level of trust that comes with it, right? You can't just meet up with anyone and be like, make my song sound good yeah. and just give them carte blanche to do that. But you should be able to do that if the art is going to flow creatively, The way right? that art should. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it takes a bit of time to get there, but once you get there, you don't really want to mess with that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's really interesting. I know I know that you... Uh you said 10 years. When did you start this? When did you get that first call? Like, Hey, Jamie, um, can I get you to, you know, I have this project that is okay. I need you to make it into a real project. When did that start? I mean, I don't think it started like that. I think it started like most of these things do was just messing around. Like I remember my one friend back in the day, this was like the early days of the internet and pirating software. He showed me, I think we were in like ninth grade or something and how you could go on this thing called MIRC and you could like download, you could download and pirate the software. So he helped me download this program called acid pro. And like, it was this program that that you you don't have to, (laughs) although some of my friends still use it. No way. (laughs) But, um, yeah. 
And he, and he showed me to download this program and, and it came with these stock loops. And I was like 14. I grew up playing trumpet and drums and stuff like that. So I liked music. But the second I used this program, I was like, oh, this is so cool. You know, I was just using the generic stock loops that came with it and, and messing with it. And I was instantly stricken. Like the trumpet seemed like boring, basic compared yeah. to this. So I started manipulating loops and making beats and then going upstairs and digging out my mom's record player and finding her old vinyl and samples right and, off the and, bat. and just sampling some stuff and figuring out how to loop it and basically just got engrossed with that all through high school. Um, so just making beats for my friends in high school and you know, that's sick. If I could sell them the beat for 50 bucks or something or 100 bucks, that was lit. That was crazy. That was crazy, yeah. bro. That was, you know, Wildcat Wildcat 8-packs in the park for like <laughs> a long time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the bag was secured. The we bag got it, boys. Was, you had to secure the bag. Secure the bag. Major uh, key. First things first. So it started out as a hobby, but then right away, no one else was doing it. Like back then, you know, it's a lot easier and it's a lot more accessible, which I think is great to just to you know, get started and, and get these programs and, and start making beats. And I think the the ease of access now is 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 up the quality so much because everyone can have a shot at it. And from there you get those, like, you have like a much bigger talent base to draw from because anyone can get started. But back then it wasn't quite as easy, you know, you had to buy expensive software or pirate it, you know. Back then, what are, when are we talking? Let's say, I'm going to say like 2001. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, so when did uh, LimeWire and all that come out? That would have been just after. Just after. I, I think mean, 2003? Th- th- yeah, 2001. I think th- we're probably still in the Napster, Napster era. Napster era. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That changed things too. I mean, wow. So it's crazy. We we came up in the hole that when when was the last time selling records made money? That you. I was just going to touch on that. So back then when I started, like, you know, I, I talked to some of the older engineers that I know and, and they were just... They've made it clear to me that when I started, this was rock bottom for them. They may have been re- making records in the 80s and everyone was making money and records default. You'd be making hundreds of thousands of dollars off your few points. But what what I realize now is that when I came into the industry, this was rock bottom. Napster had just killed everything. 2001. There was no way to make money. Everyone was depressed, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't care. I was just wanted to make beats. Um, but in hindsight... Yeah, came in at rock bottom. Nothing was happening. All the veteran guys were just totally demoralized, blah, blah, blah. But luckily, I didn't know any better. I didn't care. So I was stoked to make 100 bucks. Yeah, 50 bucks for a beat. That's amazing. That, that was crazy. Yeah, for sure. So I think, in a sense, my ignorance was bliss there. Um, mm. But, and we can we can get to this eventually. But what's cool is to come from then to now, where the, the market has evolved a bit and we're starting to find ways that I think it's still in its infancy, but we're finding ways now to monetize stuff again. And streaming is putting those, you know, even if it's a hundred bucks here or a thousand bucks here and there for those entry level or mid-level artists, you're, you, there's a new revenue stream that didn't ever exist. Mm, but what and people, re- what people you- can pay with their eyes just by listening and streaming or watching your, your song that's on YouTube that has an ad on it. So I think, yeah, coming starting at the bottom where just no one was making anything. It's cool to finally see some hope back in the industry. Right. Well, what do you really make off a stream? I mean, I think it's about point off like the average. Let's Spotify doesn't pay as much as something like Apple Music or Tidal, which no one uses, so they pay the most to try and lure you there. But yeah, um, I think it's about point zero four cents off a stream on Spotify right now, USD, which doesn't sound like much. But, you know, that starts adding up when you have a few hundred thousand streams. Right, You're right, making right. hundreds of dollars, U.S. Yeah, which is a far cry from the 80s and the 90s. It is. But um, it is still something. I mean, It's something, but but I think what you got to remember, too, is uh, the market has kind of shifted and, and come to terms with the fact that, uh, at least right now, the, the music, the recorded music is not necessarily 
where you make your money from selling that, that's more of the draw. Attention and that's, grab. That's the attention grabber and that's how you can get people to your show or people to buy your merch. And I think that's where we've ended up. I don't think that makes the the music any less important. I th- I still think that the quality music is the most important thing, mm-hmm. and you're you're nowhere without it. I guess unless you've got a gimmick or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. at the same time, we've the, the industry has evolved that uh, that you use that music to generate an audience and then find all sorts of different ways to monetize that. Right, right, right. How much do you think social media changes that now? Everything because the data is there. Like you know, you guys do this podcast and you put it out. You can see where the people listen to it, how many people downloaded it, how long they listen to it, the demographics, blah blah blah, and you can adjust your plan accordingly. You can market in those markets. So. Can you imagine what the record industry in the 80s would have done with all the data that they have now? So you can really refine and hone your plan. I'm not an expert in that, so I don't want to speak too much on the marketing side. All my clients are like, well, how do I market this? I'm like, geez, I don't don't know. know. I'm not an expert. And I don't think anyone truly knows that. A lot of people sell themselves as gurus, but I don't think anyone truly knows. But I think if you're just adaptive and responsive to the market that mm-hmm. and, and you use that data wisely that you know the old industry would have killed for well nobody knows because the, the social media industry in itself is in its infancy we can't identify trends we can't uh, shoot for longevity because we don't know what longevity is right right, right. so it's like how do we build a new art uh, how do we build a new fan base and a new artist around a social media following that's gonna last them 10 20 years uh, Right. Yeah. We don't know, but we do have the numbers. We can sustain it now, but there's rappers out there that will literally have, I don't know if you listen to, um, Russ, you know that Russ? Yes. Yeah. Of course, you know, obviously Russ, hold this L. <laughs> yes, please. That's <laughs> hilarious. Jamie's in on Twitter. <laughs> um, but he, he was saying just like a lot of the, a lot of, uh, new artists will, have those skits and have whatever social media following and posts because those numbers are bigger than their streaming numbers. Yeah, like you, those guys that blew up off a of vine. You know what I mean? Like anything goes it's viral. It's a crazy world. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. I think the key though is if you get that lightning in the bottle, I would wonder, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I wonder like how do you sustain that? How do you follow up with stuff like that? I think that's kind of the curse where um, if you look at like, you know, some of the guys who build at grassroots slowly, like if you can accumulate those real fans and you have, you know, 200 real fans that will buy those premium packages that you put out or come to every show or whatever, mm-hmm. like, you know, I wonder how you can quantify the value of like 200 diehard fans versus uh, 10,000 fly by night just passing through on Spotify yeah. fans or mm-hmm. saw your advertisement but kept moving and didn't really get sucked in. So there's that whole debate over like viral, like, you know, spark versus like the slow and steady grassroots and i wonder where those overlap and sure sure yeah. i mean it's uh, speak to russ i mean some people say it's an industry plan but i mean he regardless of what you say i remember just i remember following a soundcloud page and like mm-hmm. actually waiting on those singles and he said before like listen people used to put out albums on spot or not on uh, spotify on soundcloud and uh the the only track that would get any plays was the first one so he's like why the fuck am i making a whole album why mm-hmm. don't i just put out singles bam worked like that right worked his way up worked his way up or even like the ascent of j cole I remember even before, I mean, the mixtape hustle and him moving to New York. And that's when I first got wind of him. And it was just like, oh my God, why isn't this guy on? Why isn't this guy on? His rise was so slow. And it seems like he's going to be on the top forever. Like, it seems like his core base is so there. But at the same time, like, no one's putting up numbers like uh, uh, 6 9 is right now. I mean, those numbers are crazy. So On his social media, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, he's selling out 
he's selling out big venues. He was on uh, um, Summer Jam and and stuff like that. Like that's those are huge things that we don't feel. I don't. Me personally, I don't feel like there should be uh, internet viral sensation on a stage at summer jam or on any festival stage. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, you know, that, but that there is something to be said, like, you know, I question a lot of what that guy's about, but <laughs> really? I also, I think, really? some, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, some of those songs, you know, go pretty hard and then it's, but it's the whole debate. Like I, I remember, well, first of all, not to get ahead of ourselves, like uh, you wonder, like, does that guy have to keep up his antics though, to keep the eyes on him? Like, is his music enough? Has he built people that truly love his music enough? Probably his music goes hard. Like, you know what I mean? But, uh, I would hate to be in a position where I just have to keep talking shit about people on the internet or doing more and more outlandish shit just to, just to keep the court, the public eye, you know, like that's a, that's a weird position to be in. No, that's show that's show business now. Is it not? Yeah. Look at Kanye. Yeah, it's a not bit, saying that Kanye is doing that for that specific reason. Kanye but, or mean, Trump or anyone, it's become court the attention at all costs, right? Mm-hmm. No, there is no bad press anymore, right? But I mean, I don't know if you ever read uh, Forty Eight Laws of Power. It's it's uh, Robert Greene. It's an older book, and that's literally one of the first laws is court attention at all costs. So it, I, I think it's it's something that has been prevalent throughout history, but now it's just so magnified based on the medium that we're working through, which is social media, which everyone has access right, to, right? Big time. Which for me, I think that's why. Personally, I like guys like yourself that go towards the artistry and don't really necessarily like I'm not seeing you on Instagram saying wild shit. You know what I mean? Like I'm I see you dedicated to your craft and working constantly because it's a passion thing. Yeah, but that comes more with the role too. Like, you know what I mean? No one really cares if I'm out here talking. I, I, we joke all the time if I went on Twitter and started dissing engineers. Yo, your plugins suck and started talking <laughs> shit. Like no Fuck one cares that about up, that. Yeah. It, no one cares about, uh, on my side of things, which is more behind the scene, like the number one rule is always just let your work speak for you. Like mm-hmm. I've always said, you know, be weary of uh, any creative that's marketing to you or advertising or trying to sell themselves because I can't tell you that you should come mix a song with me um, you should have already heard something that that resonates with you and says, "Hmm, mm. I think that aesthetic might fit with my song." Mm. But if I'm sitting, if someone's sitting here, "Yo, yo, I'm dope, man," you know what I mean? Give yeah, me check sh- me out. Check I mean, me out. Check me if out. If you're just starting out, you have to hustle your shit. No, no question. But you know, the the product should speak for itself. Um, and I'm not an entertainer. I'm like a behind the scenes guy. I'm happy be- being behind the scenes. You know mm. what I mean? You lured me out here. I put on jeans <laughs> just to be. You know, there's camera. I had to put we on jeans him. for this. You know what I mean? I wear sweatpants all day. You got me to put on <laughs> jeans to come here, but. Yeah, you know, I like just, I like yeah. the behind the scenes. I like letting the process speak for itself. Um, I don't envy, like I've done the DJ thing. I used to DJ back in the on day. The and I, I didn't like the spectacle. I didn't like having to be on and, and, and do all that. And, you know, I like to just chill and be in my element. So right, yeah, yeah, I'm not, you're not going to catch me wilding, talking shit on Instagram. <laughs> Listen, man, all the more to you. I try to, I, keep, I try to just, you know, I keep those negative thoughts to myself. I'm not trying to go out there and diss people or whatever, but you know what? Producers are actually making a name for themselves now. Like big you time. didn't know, like Scott Storch is a celebrity mixed by Ali. Like these, these people are big now. Like it's not well, just. Scott Storch was famous back in the day. Everyone knew him, but for the wrong reasons. So the amount of yeah, coke exactly. he could sniff you know on I mean? a yacht that was being repossessed while he was. <laughs> yeah. Doing that. So but these be- <laughs> These people are real names and maybe that's just because everyone's putting them on now and their socials and stuff like that. But I mean, now more than ever, there's people that were not celebrities that are now celebrities. You're absolutely right. Let's talk about that for a second. You're absolutely right. The producer in hip hop has become more and more important. Um, And I think the main reason for that is because 
hip hop has become so much more stylized. Um, before, you know, he had a dope producer and everyone knew DJ Premier and, you know, he had dope beats, but the guy would just come on and, and rap and it was just, you know, it was more about what was being said. But now hip hop music is so much more aesthetically driven. You know, it's more about the sound and the styles. Like half the time people aren't even listening. And I'm guilty of that myself. Like mm -hmm. sometimes when Kendrick Lamar comes at me and he's saying all this crazy stuff, I'm like, wow, that's crazy, but I just want to vibe right now. So right. you just I, want I, melody. I, I, I might just sometimes want some melody and just to vibe out. And, and that's where the producers and even engineers, like you've mentioned mixed by Ali. These are engineers. Like we've come so far that people even know who, you know, Ali or Alex Tumay or 40 are the people oh and they comment gosh, on yeah. the engineering and I, and maybe people knew Guru and stuff from Jay-Z before because he shouted him out that was like maybe the only one but like we've come to a point where the engineering has become so crucial to hip-hop music that like it's so cool to see the engineers getting some shine and I honestly man I, I never thought that the we would see that. Would I would never expected that. I never felt like engineers were especially entitled to that because, you know, you're, you're just playing your role. You're hired to be there to do your job. But that role has become increasingly important in a way that I actually don't think I would have necessarily anticipated. See, I disagree. I disagree because you can take a shitty rapper and put him with an amazing engineer and amazing producer and you can get a good product. I don't think you can take an amazing rapper and put him with a shitty engineer, a shitty producer, and it's going to be okay. Well, just back to the end, like the producer thing, that's a given. The beat was always important, but mm -hmm. I think in, a, in an earlier age of hip hop, the message was by far the most important thing. And I still think it's extremely important. I want to stress that. But at the same time, um, with a good engineer, even if you're not saying much, just it, with the, in the landscape of hip hop that we have now, if it sounds cool and it sounds wavy and it goes hard, uh, I think you can get away with that a lot more. Uh, and there is much more of an emphasis on that. So I do agree with you that it was always important, but the producer more so. I think as long as you had a message um, and a dope beat back in the day, as long as the producer didn't screw it up and made sure your drums were loud and you could hear your voice clear, that was enough. Can J. Cole bring that back? Bring back the message. Bring back the lyricism. Can he bring that back to the forefront? No, not J. Cole can't do it by himself, mm -hmm. but he's part of a movement that is stressing that i think it's been a great year for that it for has. the people listening to this in the future it's 2018 <laughs> uh hip-hop lyricism and hip-hop has it's... just come back but we've seen a lot more stress on lyricism and i think after a couple years of migos and little pump and stuff like that where it was kind of de-emphasized yeah. you still had people like kendrick and and j cole who, who kept it going but you know we are seeing a movement back towards that. I don't credit it strictly to J. Cole, but yeah. it's just, it's the cycle in anything. People get sick of mindless stuff after a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's no, just I, a cycle. No, I agree. You're going to have ups and downs. I mean, as it, so it kind of reverted back to, you know, great lyricism for a little while. And then, I mean, but before that, everyone hated on the R&B thing. I mean, people hated Nelly. I mean. The shiny suit puffy stuff too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like even, I remember, I remember Jay-Z getting a little bit of flack for Big Pimp and like, ah, oh, you know, like it's not him. And I was like, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but I think it goes in waves. I'm just interested in see the next progression of where it goes. So again, we had a huge R&B um, just overload with the old school baggy throwback jerseys. I love those, by the way. I, I got I finally got to put one on at yeah, the Raptors Mitchell game. Yeah, you one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, then, and then we kind of went back and then now we're in this huge mumble rap thing and we're kind of coming out. Where do you see the progression? Where do you think the movement's going to go towards? Like, our, I know we're really melody heavy right now. We're not lyric heavy where do you see urban music moving in the next five say years i don't know i hope we keep the melody because i think it makes it accessible and i think that part of that is as rap music has become pop music that's crazy uh 
or pop music has become rap music, I should say. Um, it dominates all the charts, all the metrics. Um, so I think it's natural that uh, as hip-hop is now appealing to a more wider audience, it makes sense to get some melody in there. And I think that's a smart move. And, and I encourage that. And it's fun working with some of my clients who have been, you know, rapping and we've been working together a long time, trying to work with them to introduce some yeah, more sing melody. Sing the hook, sing the hook. <laughs> and, and, and they can do it. And it's fun. It's wow. Like seeing someone like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of tap into those new things. But yeah, back to the question, where do I see it going? I have no idea. I think it will continue to, to grow and, and the lyrics will come back. And I think, I hope we keep the melody, but mm-hmm. It's going to become, I hope it keeps getting more and more stylized mm-hmm. because I think rap music sounds cooler than ever. Like, mm. I think, like, the sound design and everything has gotten so much cooler. It's so much nicer on the ears. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. I don't need, I don't think we need to go back to, you know, I grew up listening to gangster rap, Mob Deep, and everything. And when I listen, I still love it. And I still get that feeling when I listen back to it, but just all like the, the mindless, fabricated, crap it was yeah. kind of not it was all nonsense you know it what was i mean nonsense. it was all it's like a movies it was but like it was watching, hard it was hard and it gave me that feeling yeah. as a like a suburban it's kid it made me feel tough i felt so weird. i like that so hopefully i like that i like that empowering feeling i like more aggressive music mm-hmm. i'm not, i've never been too into r&b and anything that's too soft i don't gravitate towards that so I, hopefully we can keep some of that edge and aggression um yeah no i love the with some message but i don't know it's just it's always going to be evolving it's just like Music is like fashion at TikToks, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. All <laughs> we went from selling drugs. Everyone's <laughs> rapping about selling drugs. Now it's about doing drugs. Yeah. Hope, it, now it, everyone's going to sober up. It's, you know. It'll be a weird, it'll be a weird place to go. But did you actually, did you hear Logic's new album? I haven't. No. Man. I was listening to the Carter Five. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> That's a discussion. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Pause. Hold <laughs> up. Let me go down this road for one second. Um, Logic brought the boom back, boom bap bat for the rat pack, as he says. Um, and wiggity, it, wiggity. Yeah, literally. Uh, wiggity, wiggity rap. The old Jay-Z stuff before people, oh man, I remember that like in 1999 when he just had that new New York flow and it was, I actually liked it, but. Um, he had everyone, all the Wu-Tang members on yeah, it too, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. It was fire. But yeah. Logic came back with that style and um, I have no idea how it's been received. It just came out, I think, two days two days ago. It'll be it'll be out for a couple of weeks by the time this podcast hopefully, drops. But hopefully, people have had time to digest it by the time this drops hopefully. because I haven't had a time. That's a rough day to drop. Everyone's been waiting for a wheezy this wheezy yeah, album yeah, for four years yeah, plus, yeah. and then you drop on the same day. But I don't think he cares. I think he's doing it for the culture. Have you did, have you did you go deep? Are you a Logic fan? No, no. Are, have you heard his conceptual albums at no. all? You haven't dug into them. I'm not too. I'm not too up on the Logic. He's he's. I'm I'm not. I don't know where I stand on him, to be honest with you, but I love that he pushes things in awkward and weird directions and tries different things. I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he came back with a very heavy drum kit type thing. I like um, that. And it was, I mean, it wasn't heavy on the melody. I wasn't a, f- a fan of that, but he was really rapping again, which is which is amazing. And, and I think it's cool. It's going to push the culture in a certain way. Back to the Carter Five. Thoughts? Well, so I, I love it, and I think we need to give respect where respect is due. I think Wheezy is the dad and the granddad of a lot of these rappers out the today. Granddad, you know, he's like birthed the guy that birthed the guy. You know, the whole style. It's like gen- multi generations of birth influence. the guy that birthed the guy. So put names to it. Put names to it. He kind well, of birthed like uh, like let's say Thug, Young Thug, thug right? Sure. Uh, young yeah. Thug is influenced and cre- and propagated this whole mumble rap thing. I guess him or Future would have been the people who really started that. Um, but like. Young Thug, I'll, I'll just go on record saying he's kind of a cheap Wayne knockoff to me. 
I don't. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. At and all. I like any of the, the melodies that make me feel some type of way. But what's what I got reminded of? I was hearing Wayne here. Is you know what I mean? He's got that crazy flow. He's on like a little gremlin. He's got the wild voice and yeah. stuff. But his bars are a one. He's one of. He's got one of the nicest pen games of all time. Yeah. A goat with the pen. Yeah, absolutely. His wordplay is crazy, and I think that gets lost on some people because he sounds so wild, and people just think he's like this syrup guzzling like yeah. maniac or whatever. Yeah. But his his pen game is insane. Whereas I think someone like Young Thug, it sounds wavy, but the dude's saying nothing. Yeah. And a lot of his music is kind of trash to me. But yep. heavy influence from Wayne, <laughs> so he's like Wayne Light. He's like. He's like the the wildness in the of Wayne, but without the substance. <laughs> yeah, no. Sh- shots fired. Hashtag. I agree. Yeah, he's the z- he's the zero uh, zero calorie version. I, I came guess. around a bit too, but you got to understand. Like, yeah. we, we, I've been at this a long time. So, an interesting concept was like I grew up making boom bap hip hop, where it was like the gang star DJ Premier yeah. type ninth wonder type beat before there was type beats, sixteen bar verse, and before then the hook there was type with beats. either like the singing chick or the scratches or whatever, and it was very formulaic and very simple. So it was like a big step for me and kind of gradual. I, I I saw people coming in being like, oh, can you put some reverb on my voice? I want it to sound wavy, and yeah. I was like, wait, what the fuck do you mean? This is rap music, son. Yeah. So I had to <laughs> this like this is rap music, son. <laughs> I had to really digest, and I had to, I still to this day have to stay conscious. I don't I don't want to be the old dude that gets left behind, being like it should be this way. So there was like a period where. I had to kind of wrap my head around like the futures and the thugs and, and kind of wrap my head around that aesthetic because it's my job to be able to recreate that. And if a, if a client wants to be able to sound like that. So I remember digesting Lil uh, Young Thug for the first time being like, what the fuck? How am I going to get is my mind this? around this? Yeah. Like, I don't, what the fuck yeah, is this? Yeah. But now, you know, fast forward <laughs> five years later or whatever, you know, I'm with it and I, and I like some of that stuff. But back to the Lil Wayne thing, like, yeah, he's he's Lil yeah. Wayne light. Budget Lil Wayne. <laughs> yeah, uh, poor man's Lil Wayne. I guess I'm not going to be getting that rich gang uh, no, call to mix anymore. Well, yeah, that that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think you want that. Um, anyways, <laughs> you're, yeah. far, you're far too... I'm burning bridges left and right on this self-hired show. I yeah, gotta, that's it. My agent's texting me. He says I got to... Shut up, shut up, rat, shut up, shut up, shut up. Like Elon Musk's yeah. not supposed to no, swear. No, 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 yeah. Yeah, don't swear. Yeah. yeah. Can I swear? Don't swear. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We haven't uh, passed the blunt around quite yet, but we'll get that meme. Yeah, totally. We'll get that meme. Um, I agree, man. I, I My first reaction to the whole mumble rap thing was so negative. And then I started... That's the knee-jerk reaction. I was just like, this is... Because I'm... I'm oh, this is corny. I'm a purist. Like, I honestly, I'm a purist. I love... Like, I came up on... Like the chronic, and that was like I loved deep, heavy, impactful shit. And then G Funk came out, and well, no, well, G Funk came out before, but I got on to G Funk, and it was like, okay, like we could, we when can, you say G Funk, you mean like Chronic Doggy Style and yeah, all that like, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, just Warren G, Nate Dogg, Warren type G, of, yeah. like that was that was really my thing. And I and I was like, okay, it's it's okay to be to have melody in music. And then I tried to take that same, not that. Dre stuff wasn't melodic because there is a lot of melody in there, but it was definitely a different, lighter, softer sound. I was like, okay, that's cool. These we can we can be okay with that as a culture. We can embrace that. And then I try to take that same approach when it came to Thug and when it came to Chief Keef and when it came to these other guys. Chief Keef, another very underrated as far as influence goes. Sure, I thought I thought that's where you're gonna go with it. I thought you're gonna say that it was Lil Wayne gave birth gave birth to Chief Keef and then Chief Keef gave birth to um give me some names pump uh pump any 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 of that just i mean that whole drill music thing and any sort of really aggressive you know hyper violent slurred yeah. leaned out sounding stuff i don't oh uh, yeah it's interesting that 
someone from Chicago would would be influencing. I, I guess you can trace a lot of that Southern style from Chicago and drill. They kind of meshed in a sense. That's interesting, actually, to think about. No, it is. But I mean, yeah, borders have been breaking down. I'm actually uh, on that whole East, West, North, South thing. I think it's actually very cool that the South is getting another turn at the helm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Coming from, you know, the East going out to the West and then, you know, you know, when was the last time the South was dominant? Well, I don't know. I mean, you... Okay. Well, but then you got to remember all like the ringtone rap of like the mid 2000s, oh all that little John and I'm all, totally sleeping and all on that, that stuff, right. like yeah. all that, you know, everything from the little John's little scrappy young buck, all that stuff. Like, I think yeah. the South's kept it going. It was maybe a bit of a niche thing. I think like that Atlanta sound, that Metro booming sound came booming, Metro booming, uh, came, became like the mainstream, but like the South was always going hard. I mean, I grew up listening to three, six mafia and all that cash money I stuff. That and so, it, and then, you know, the mid two thousands were dominated by a lot of Southern Ludacris. music. It, yeah. So I think it, it was always going strong, but it was still felt like it was Southern music where I, where what you're talking about is that Atlanta sound became rap it is music. music. It's you know, pop. It's pop now. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Are you a, are you a big crit fan? Big Crit, you know, a lot of my friends love Big Crit and like I'll bump it when they come to the studio and we'll listen to it. But I have to say I've never truly dove in. I listened to his last project. Was that Double Disc? Yep. That, um, was that his last project? No, no, no. no. There's been one since. That was the last. Jamie, please. Yo, young Jamie, pull that up. Um, <laughs> that was the last full Crit album I, I, I digested and uh, I really, really liked it. I mean, dude can spit. Yeah. He, he has that classic sound. Like I, I, I loved Outkast growing up. Like my, teens, yeah, yeah. I love Big Boy and stuff like that. So I, I love the essence of all that. But yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the music. I'm not a big fan of the music, but I'm a huge fan of Crit. I mean, like he came out on that uh, 2011 freshman cover, and it was like him, Crit, Mac Miller, rest in peace. God damn. Wow. Um, yeah. Sorry. Um, Crit Miller, uh, Kendrick Cole. There was a, a bunch of guys, and I think it was maybe Double Excel's first freshman cover. Am I making that up? Wow, um, this freshman cover sounds a hell of a lot better than what we've been dealing <laughs> what we with have it. now. Wow, that sounds like a utopian paradise. No, exactly right. It's like thinking back to George W. Bush now. Wow, that sounds pretty good. Sci <laughs> um, High the Prince, he was on there too. Sci High the Prince, another another lyrical goat, man. He's one of... Yeah. When you said bringing back that boom bap, mm. when you're talking about uh, the Logic thing, I, I thought of uh, that latest Sci High album. It was uh, kind of cool no to listen. No Dope on Sundays? No, tr- no, no Dope on Sundays? No Dope on Sundays. Yeah. And it was cool to hear that. There was no 808s. It was like, you know drum drum loops drum breaks yeah. and like just spinning and i thought that dope. was crazy really refreshing so yeah to bring it back I, th- I hope we see more of that i hope we do too man i'm a huge sci high fan i thought that he was shelved for a while i have no idea what went on there in the business side but uh i wish we saw more kanye was like no just write my bars yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> just keep writing my yeah. bars you can't do nothing else literally literally um but you know what's cool sci high i just got to work with sci high on something oh no um, way i just did an album for my homie junk uh, he's from Vancouver. He's a battle rapper. Um, also an amazing studio rapper. He's, his albums are incredible. His performances are incredible. But he got Sci High on his latest album. So mm. it was very cool opening up my email and seeing like Sci High, Lead, Vocals. Dot Wave, you know, yeah, yeah, feeling yeah. like, oh, Hello, shit. Hello, let's so, go. So that was a cool one to get to work with yeah. uh, 
That's yeah. my one degree of separation yeah. to Sahai the yeah. Prince. Who are the Sahai vocals in yet? Yeah, they're <laughs> in. You. They're in. It's they're out. In. Check it out. Junk featuring Sahai the Prince, flawless. But it's a great Ooh, record. Okay, okay. Is this is this out? Is this it's out? out? It's okay. out right now. All right, I'm gonna write that. I'm gonna get that one for That's sure. A plug for my boy Junk. He's a good nah, dude. Absolutely. Please do. Uh, we need more good music in the world. So, oh man, I, I had a moment there. Uh, you were thinking about Mac, Mac Miller. Miller. You almost man. started crying. I saw it. No, man. It's just like that's damn. I don't know what to say about that. Mac Miller was crazy because I was like, I was an Eminem fan early. Obviously, I'm a white kid from Canada. Of course, I'm an Eminem fan. And then I was, he was the only white rapper. And then just in my mind, the way I had put it was Mac Miller came along and he, he was young. He had a different sound. He wasn't saying things that were terrible to me. He was rapping about frozen pizza and Donald Trump and it was cool. And then, and then he went down a crazy artistic and obviously he had some issues with addiction and, um, he went down a different, a different path. Um, and I honestly lost me a bit musically there, uh, watching movies. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah, actually, I mean, I actually like, well, he did that, um, uh, the Divine Feminine, is that what it was? I should know this. I don't know. I'm not going to be the man sure. for Mac Miller trivia here. That's but. okay. Um, but he went down, when he did kind of the um, uh, watching movies with the sound off, and he kind of did um, a, a different route for a while that I wasn't into, and I kind of saw him going down a different route, and then he kind of came back and got very jazzy. And like you yeah. said, alluded to earlier, started um, singing on hooks. And uh, swimming is probably... Uh, one of my favorite albums this year, undoubtedly. 2009 is an amazing track. I literally cried to that track. I play, I put it on right after I heard the news, Jeez. and it was, it was so beautiful. And uh, I'm, I'm so sad to see him go. 26. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've it's, lost it's crazy. Words. It's crazy. Yeah, he was. I mean, it's always cool to see like a young dude saying something cool and a young white guy. You know what I mean? It's, it's not always easy being a white rapper in the industry because it's it's a it's a touchy subject i don't even know how to touch on it but even me like when you see a white rapper step up i kind of have this okay let's see what this is about i don't know why that is i don't know what it is but uh yeah he was able to just kind of make that his own and kind of find his own lane and uh yeah so i I really thought he was creative musically and you know fisherman larry he made his own beats which i always respect it's always i remember learning that later on and actually realizing how good of a producer he was absolutely sonically he's amazing yes please please yes but what's that was so sad too man like i remember going to his instagram the night he died and you saw that sad it was still there that sad record he he posted the night mac miller died he posted this you could go to his story and he was just filming in this dimly lit room it was this record player playing this really sad song on vinyl and it was like that was kind of like his ending credits music i'm getting chills thinking about it. i remember going to that and being like holy shit that was too real i know i know I like, went, uh, yeah. what what was going through his mind there do you think he knew it was coming i don't know i truly think that i think it was just a bad batch do you think I, that's I think what it was, it was just a bad batch man i think obviously he alluded i'm not i don't keep a big pulse on everything going on but i think that he alluded a little bit like, man, I just want to go on tour right now. Album's doing really well. Um, I'm making amazing music. So he didn't seem like a guy who was like ready to end it all. I don't think he was there. I think it was just a bad night, you know, and like we all have bad nights and that's just a, I think it was a bad batch and it was so spooky because I remember seeing the news. First off, I had a, for some reason, everyone thinks I'm a, I am a big Mac Miller fan, but my phone blew up off of that. Like right as TMZ dropped the news and I was like, wait, what? Why are you guys texting me? The type thing. But I was like, and I, I, it's the first person for me that like, 
I really feel like I watched the entire journey of it as a fan of music. And we at like from start to finish, we actually lost them. And so it was just like, it hit me in a place where I had never been hit by celebrities because a lot of these celebrities we've, we've lost or these artists that we've lost, they've, they've, they've started their ascent from before I was really into music and keeping a good pulse on it. And it was like, I haven't seen their whole journey. Or I maybe just, you didn't follow from the or start or whatever. Follow. There's not many artists that you really follow closely yeah. enough to really see the whole arc of what they're doing. That, that's yeah. like a full-time job. And it was like, that's the end. But just to go back to what you're saying, it was like, how spooky was that? You put it perfectly. Um, it was like his ending credits. That was really crazy. I saw someone post that, go look at his story. And I went, it was still there. And it's just like, I, and it's crazy that it expires in 24 hours. And like, you know, you feel like, okay, I saw that while well, it was still there and still live. It was kind of like this weird moment that you could see again, a strange a strange moment that wouldn't have existed five, ten years ago. What was yeah, yeah. That's oh, kind of trippy, point. right? That's a great point. What would be the equivalent of that? Holy. There's you know what I mean? A voicemail that got left for you or something? That's way more personal, I guess. There's nothing you can't compare it. The only thing that goes in my mind is that infamous picture of Pac and, and Suge Shug. Suge Shug's in Shug, jail. Suge Knight. You're yeah. done, bud. He's done. Um him and Knight <laughs> in that in the whip. Yeah, that's an iconic that. photo. That's an iconic photo. That's right before he got shot. Similar. To me, that's the only equivalent. But it's not even. It's not even that. It is, and and it's the same feeling. But it's crazy because with this one, like it's something that Mac Miller actively posted. It's it was a moment that he experienced and chose to share. And he chose to share. Weird. That's the only weird thing about it. It was so somber and melancholy. Maybe he was just really high and like. But I don't know. It's, you can read. You can really read into that if you want to, yeah. but. I think you're probably right. There's probably nothing there, but nonetheless, it's a very it was a very interesting moment. Yeah, it's a sad sad moment for for hip hop. Sad moment all around. It's a sad, it, but it just speaks to the bigger issue. I mean, I'm I don't want to just keep rehashing these social issues that get talked about all the time here in Vancouver. But the opioid crisis is crazy, man. It's, it's a, real. When you think of all those like just all those innocent people that are at risk, you may just maybe you party once or twice a year, or your friends partying, and you want to try it or whatever, and it's just like. It went from that being just, you know, not the wisest decision you could make to like a potentially fatal decision. That could kill you. It's so crazy. Like, yeah, no, I, I know. What I, they say, like a thousand, we've already had like over a thousand o- overdose deaths. I think it's this quite, year? I think it's, uh, I, the number is quite, I think it's around 2,000, I want to say now. It's, yeah, I think it's last year was 3,000 and yeah. something total. Like, yeah. that's madness. It's, it's very large. It's madness. What do you even do about that? I don't know. I don't mean, this is not like a, you know, a social yeah, issues it's, podcast. It's, but it's yeah. just, it raises an interesting question. Then you see, you just see how it's affecting everybody. Like you don't associate uh, Mac Miller with being like a junkie drug addict. No. That's that's at risk of overdosing. No, you, you identify him as an amazing artist, but honestly, all the, all the coolest people are, are kind of fucked up. Well, you know what do we have know. to do then if we want to be cool. <laughs> Young Jamie, bring it in. <laughs> Young, yo, Jamie, pull that off. <laughs> Um, no, for sure, man. That's no, it's it. not a joke. I shouldn't joke about yeah, it. It's really, se- it's really serious because it's got to the point where it's affecting not even people who have made a series of bad decisions. Yeah, it's, it's affecting one, it can, it, one bad decision can cost you it all, and that just seems really unfair. I think, I think it's just that to me, the these issues happen throughout society, throughout history. To me, I just don't feel comfortable with the way that it's being presented and glorified through our culture. That's the thing, like. Are we moving away from that now? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I would hope so. I one thing I didn't realize as a kid was 
it, people would say, oh, rap music is influence, influencing the youth. And as, as like a teenager, <laughs> fuck out of here. It's not influencing <laughs> shit. But yeah. it is. Yeah, and I yeah. realize now as an adult how much it influenced me. I would listen to it if I was like, oh, I'm going to fight this guy. Yeah. Like listening to Mob Deep and just feeling tough or like, you know, party and like objectifying yeah. women and stuff. Like it does have an effect. And it's just crazy to see like when I work with like some of these young dudes and I see guys that are 19 and 20 and I'm just hearing about they're telling stories of how they're partying and just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We didn't party like that. No. And it, it's just become, it's become so normalized. Um, and now these kids are out here hearing about people drinking lean. So they're in Vancouver drinking fake lean. That's just Xanax and fentanyl or something. Who the hell knows? It's like, yeah. And I, yeah. it's crazy to think as an adult that rap music actually does have an, that effect on people. 100%. I would have never wanted to admit that to you as a, as a younger dude, but now I fully acknowledge oh, that. Oh man, it's young brains are so malleable. And well, it just, it's just, it speaks to you so much. I would have never given it that much credit before. And, and, and it, on the surface, well, it's just lyrics. But man, it's like, it's, it's almost like a lifestyle. Like you want to be like that person. You want to dress like that person. You want to talk and act and move like that person. So it's so much more than just the lyrics. It's the whole lifestyle. But I would have, as a young person, I would have never given it that credit and that weight. But as time goes on and I've had the ability to self-reflect and also to watch what's going on with younger people, I fully think that rap music has an effect on young people. Maybe, maybe it's probably still having an effect on me. Oh, no, 100% it is. I mean, we could stand above this and say, oh, no, I'm impenetrable. No, yeah, of course, it's still of having an not. effect on me, I'm sure. It's the, the amount of empowerment that it gives me to this day has given me, I mean, talk about confidence, man. Like I, I was a ball player for a long time and it was just like, that was it. That pregame music was quintessential. Mm -hmm. It was everything. Like you had those three, four, five, ten tracks laid out. When you like, went, boom, you just boom, put boom. on a loop. You put "Hit 'Em High" off the Space Jam soundtrack, and you just looped <laughs> that, and then you went to play fucking basketball. Yeah, exactly. Right. You had whatever, whatever your tracks was, man. For me, it was what was it? It was the it was the Watcher off the Chronic Thousand One. Yeah. That was or uh, still one of the best mixed hip hop albums of all time. A lot of music doesn't age. Like the the styles change, but man. Chronic I, 2001, that's still a Bible for me when it comes to a clean mix with loud, punchy drums. Mm. The Chronic 2001 is still a Bible, which I can't say about many, any much music period from that age. Mm. Music has changed a lot, but that one, from an engineering and production standpoint, really stands the test of time. I have this weird nostalgic thing with that album, so I my my opinion is totally invalid. To me, that's like the top through top three albums of all time top yeah. two albums of all time i would say I, it's definitely in my top three yeah what is, your, might, what is your top three in fact I, w I might go as far to say if i had to pick these these lists are stupid because they changed it or <laughs> depending are. how you feel yeah, but sure. so I, it's good to keep to zoom out a bit and maybe make it three or five sure it, it, and that'll evolve on your mood evolve based on your mood but if i had to pick a single number one i might actually pick wow dr dre chronic wow wow if you were to say your top ish list anywhere from 10 to 5 to whatever um i think you got to put dr dre chronic 2001 uh bone thugs and harmony east 1999 eternal i think you got to put nas illmatic or it, it was written um yeah. i think you got to put mob deep hell on earth and that's a controversial controversial opinion because for any mob deep fans it's kind of sacrilegious to say it's not the infamous but for i think just over time i've realized that actually hell on earth was the mob deep record that connected more with me okay. which is so menacing okay. and more influential on me so i'm going to say hell on earth uh what else maybe wu-tang not 36 Chambers, which I loved, but I think for, for listenability really? now, I've got to say probably Wu-Tang Forever. 
Love Wu Tang Forever. Okay, no, yeah, sure, yeah, I'm with it. Um, there's no, I don't think there's a wrong answer. There. Are you calling my answers right now? No, <laughs> she's like Wu Tang Forever. Like, sure, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, out of here. whatever. <laughs> you corny, bro. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. But um, it's 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 hard to say. Is um, there anything post? Yeah, 2000? Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Thank you. I think that's probably the best rap album of the last ten years. Is that within ten years? Wow. Um, two thousand nine. Yeah, that's within ten years. Yeah. I'm going to say that's probably the best rap album of the modern wow. era for me. I think it was just so musical. You know what I mean? It was progressive. It was beautiful. It was, it was beautiful. It was very musical. Um, yeah. So I would put that in my top. Sure. For sure. What do you think about Kendrick's To Pimp a Butterfly? That. Uh, I know we're nerding right now, but I got a nerd. That I listened to it. I don't know. It's a weird... I don't know what it is about Kendrick, but it, it doesn't connect with me like it does for most people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't... Kendrick is not in a, in the top anything list of my rappers, which is wow. weird. Because I respect his... I'm in awe of his technical skill. I'm in awe of the engineering that goes into his albums and the production. I love it. I love it all. But for some reason, it just has never fully connected with me because I don't, it doesn't give me the message is very powerful, but for some reason I don't get that same mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. uh, base yeah. feeling Feel it from it. Bones I don't, type thing. I, Kendrick's music has never done that for me. Wow. I don't know why. To me, um, this is controversial. I'm a huge Kendrick fan. The only Kendrick project that really did it for me, I was, a, I was, a, to me, to, be butter, to pimp a butterfly, excuse me, is like a Mona Lisa of, of hip hop. It's it's a fucking piece of art. Sonically, it's very good, but I don't, again, I don't jive with it. Like again, it's very good, but it's not, it doesn't hit me here. To me, Section 80, was Section the, 80 is, yeah. is the pinnacle of that's Kendrick Lamar music. That's the first Lamar thing I heard from Kendrick. I think that's the first thing most of us heard from Kendrick, right? It, it was, it's still to this day, That's you want to hear my top five Kendrick tracks, they're all on Section 80. And and I don't know, that was just a moment in time. So actually, we, you, you said that earlier, in social um, social media aspects, how do you bundle that lightning? How do you put that lightning in a bottle? I think that's a great example of it. The other artists, I think that maybe they can never recreate this, and I, I don't want to put them down, but is Bryson Tiller. Trap Soul, did you listen to that at Loved all? Loved it. Funny enough, my favorite song on there was Rambo, the least R&B <laughs> song, but yeah. Of course it was. That, yeah. that song went hard. That's yeah. on my gym playlist. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is absolutely lightning in a bottle. And he came up with his uh, follow-up, which I can't even remember the name of it. But, Not uh, said. It was, I should be able to remember the name, but it was good, but it just wasn't the same. Tra- Someone made a funny comment about his next album was, it was, it sounds like Bryson Tiller to make his next album went on YouTube and YouTubed a bunch of Bryson Tiller trap soul type beats and then put together an album. <laughs> but um, that trap soul album was really influential. I talked before about having to like keep your ear on the pulse as like a producer, an engineer or an artist. That was one of those albums that stands out as one of those ones that you had to really pay attention to. Okay, if you're going to be making you know crossover r&b rap type music that mm-hmm. was one you really had to listen to because i think that was a real cultural thing i oh, think it was man. a real marked a real shift or or landmark in that that was it that, that was the urban, pivot that was the pivot it, uh, in that style it was you know kind of like when the weekend came out he changed oh, what r&b sounded like it went from this glossy shiny thing to really moody atmospheric distorted mm-hmm. fucked up 
um, That's a great brooding point. and stuff. Like he, the weekend changed the face of R and B music. I will definitely not. I won't give that same weight to what Bryson Tiller did, but it still was one of those key projects where you pay attention because you know that's going to have an impact on the way the music people will be making is going to sound for the next couple of years. No, I completely agree. I think that it was absolutely pivotal and I don't know how that moment happened. I'd be so curious to know Me how too. did that manifest itself into what it came out. Like I have that, I bought that CD. That Trap Soul is the last CD I bought. Wow. The end of an era. <laughs> end of an era. And uh, it's been in my car ever since. Um, yeah. I will not take it off. Great project. It, it's, it doesn't matter if my girlfriend's in the car, my homie's in the car, uh, my parents in the car. I will literally put, I will literally, if my mom's in the car, I will literally put a more melodic track on and mm-hmm. she'll rock with it too. Um, so, I mean, yeah, those are pivotal, pivotal, pivotal. What are your thoughts on um, MAGA and Kanye's new antics? Not just antics, as I want to go the clickbait route, but more sonically. You won't believe what self-hired and company said next about <laughs> Kanye West. Yeah. Um, I think I've thought about this a bit and I've been having... We're going to com- use that w- sound bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was talking about this before I got here, and I honestly think we're looking at someone who has severe mental health problems. Mm. I think it's a weird position to be in. I think he goes... I think he's bipolar or manic or something. I don't know a whole lot about those conditions, but from people who I've talked about who, who experience or, and suffer from the same things, they say they see they see it in him. Um, But the weird part is, is that I don't think Kanye is in a position to be able to, to deal with it because if you're going through a, it's a weird position to be in. If you're going, if you're in a position where you experience a mental illness that gives you whatever delusions of grandeur, but you actually are this grand, influential, cultural figure with a voice, a platform who has changed society, culture, blah blah blah. Like whoa! Like how do you? Yeah. How do you? How do you, you how do you navigate that? How do you draw the line? Because you're having all these crazy thoughts, but you actually, in many ways, you are that grand, and and what you say does matter, and and a lot of your ideas are super progressive. Now, <laughs> or, or, <laughs> but not. <laughs> but not all of them. Yes, and I, I think, I think he's struggling. I don't know. I don't know a lot about it. I don't want to be my armchair psychiatrist, but I see someone who is troubled. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, we talked about it's court attention at all costs. But sadly, I think this goes a little further than that. I think he's, oh, for sure, he's really struggling, and and you know, it turns the media on him. But didn't he get he got booed off he, for for people listening? He got booed off of or not booed off, but he was booed mm. on his Saturday night light yeah. live performance last night, yeah. right? Yeah, no, that that is true. I mean, was I, that just for attention, or is like he actually really feeling that type of way? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. He seems like he's he's struggling. Listen, man, what he says and how he defends that against the "Make America Great Again" hat is. Just because I'm black doesn't mean that I have to be a left-leaning um, type person. I can be on any end of the spectrum. And yeah, so, but it's not about what it's not about left or right. It's about what that stands for beyond the political spectrum. Because someone else correct. will come back and say maybe that hat represents separating uh, kids from their families or and caging them. Racism, the, you know or what sexism, I mean? So it's, or it's not about that's things. the thing. It's yeah. it, we we create this false dichotomy where it's left or right or whatever. But like I, to me, someone you know looking from somewhat the outside like just <laughs> it just stands for fucked up shit 
I agree. No, I completely agree. I, I listen. I agree with the sentiment of like, you know what? Hey, we don't have to be this way. We can be whatever way we and want. And I to. like that Kanye. It, that's it feels cool. like he can speak his mind and feels like he doesn't have to be another liberal artist. And he can he can have those views. And I respect that. But you you, it's naive to think that that's what that hat represents. It's childish. In so my do, so does he wear it for attention, or does he really have this vision where he thinks it's well that he's making this grand statement that's going to enlighten people? There's I I would just argue there's other ways to do that because that hat stands for so much bad stuff to me. I completely agree. And I also think that Kanye is intelligent enough to find those other ways to make that you statement. Think. So that's where I think so, the mental health comes in. I think that's where the mental health comes in. I don't hope it's mental health, but like, yeah. I hope he's just yeah. confused because it would be messed up if he stood for some of that. It's true, but then you also have to look at the position that he's in and the position that society has put him in. I mean, like the, the Kardashians are now the Joneses, right? I mean, they're the pinnacle of culture in every way. I mean, look at, I mean, Kim Kardashian has completely single-handedly changed what beautiful means. Yeah. That's you know what crazy. I mean? And, and Kanye has, regardless of what people say of him now, he changed the face of urban music, in my opinion. Like he... Oh, he's, he's reinvented it a couple of times. A couple of times, yeah. not just once, a yeah. couple of times. And um, and so to put those two together and then the way they've been scrutinized and they're in... So, I mean, it's it's just in such a TMZ weird... TMZ era. Exactly. And they're, like, they're the perfect TMZ fodder. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, that th- that's why that format was created. I guarantee that TMZ has a camera on that fucking guy at all times. Their bread, just to catch it's anything. the bread and butter, right? Yeah. It's all about clicks. Yeah. But I I honestly think like you said Kanye West is smart and just because you're going through mentally unstable times like I don't think he's so, he's so out there that he doesn't know to some degree. Like I think he does there is that he part of him that he yeah. wants to create that controversy, but I just don't think that he's either not realizing or not respecting what that might re- represent to other people. But I don't think he's so far gone in that he, again, like you just said, just to reiterate, he doesn't realize those sentiments. Like he did go on Chicago radio uh, and say, and apologize in a sense. And I did, I don't know. I wasn't hurt by it, obviously, because I'm not a, you know, uh, African-American in America, but I felt as if that was sincere, not that it was talking to me. But um, so I think there is, he's not totally disconnected. There's a spot there where he does kind of, oh, he is in this, want to say it, um, genius, psychotic, totally... um, Very rich. Very rich uh, environment, but he also can pivot back and see, okay, wait, you know, let's contextualize this a little bit. I do think that's within his realm. Yeah, but it's just surprising that... uh, It's surprising that he would go a route that just causes such initial backlash and then if you want to display more empathy later fine but then that kind of shows like a bit of malintent for just mm-hmm. co- purposeful controversy i don't know i'm not gonna judge yeah. from my high horse like yeah he, it, that's just kind of what like we said what what media has become yeah. for better for worse if he's just playing the game he's just playing the game but i could see why that would offend some people i know i completely i know i completely understand but you know who called this j cole false prophets yeah that was that was a couple of years ago now, two years ago now, whatever it was. Yeah, that's that was literally, and I was so like hurt. I was so hurt by that because I'm a huge Kanye fan. Like honestly, like college dropout, late registration, dark twisted fantasy. I even like Jesus, and no one likes Jesus. <laughs> uh, it was okay, um, and I'm a huge Cole fan. So I was like, what? This is like the two. I, this it just broke me up inside, and so I was so mad. But he did call that. He did see that coming a little bit, and. 
and the end line where he was like, uh, while the world, while the world's cheering him on, I'm, I'm begging him to stop it. Um, listen to his new shit or listen to his old shit knowing he won't top it and it was like oh my god he's so right here we are two three years down the line that's exactly where he's at um but he is highly experimental and i do respect that you're also highly experimental so you must have uh did you was kanye Kanye must have been an influence for you in how you look at artists no i think Kanye West is a big influence on on all of us. And also Kanye West engineer, Mike Dean, who I have to shout out, he's been making music since the, like, 1991 or something. He was started out as a Rap-A-Lot guy working oh, wow. with, like, Ghetto Boys and stuff back in the day. So, shout out Rap-A-Lot, yes. Yeah, and so, um, but what I find interesting about Kanye's music is it's, at least where it's at now it's not about the perfection it's more about the artistry and i think that's uh that's from an engineering perspective where where that's the frame i'm going to view it from in a lot of ways um his music is is more about being creative and less about the rules or perfection or whatever and you know for for us on the technical side it's kind of that's not as simple as an idea to to embrace as it as you think because you know you get trained and you learn what the tools do and you learn that you're supposed to use them within these parameters and blah 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 but that kind of like pigeonholes you uh, and I think one thing that's cool about Kanye's music and also with a lot of these young, you know, 16-year-old producers that have no classic training is they just do stuff that sounds cool and they don't necessarily have a, a box that they put themselves in. So I would say that Kanye West and uh, Mike Dean are very influential on me and other engineers because um, listening to his music is a reminder that um, it's more about the feeling that you get from the music or the experience that, that you take people on, the ride that you take them on, than it is about making sure that that, you know, that one little knob twist that you do is is the right, right move, right, you know? Right. Well, I mean, how many listeners actually realize what classical training is and can recognize it? You well, know what I mean? Well, those classical skills, those those fundamental skills are there. You need them there or it's going to sound fucked up. It's not going to sound pro. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key is just not getting too caught up in that. Mm. So it is a balance. You know what I mean? You can't just set some wild guy free and tell him to record and mix and master an album just because he makes dope, you know, Pierre Bourne type beats. Right. That's not going to work either. You do have to have like a marriage of like the technical skill and also <laughs> the ability to kind of let that go and just mess around. And mm-hmm. I think over the past you know, five years or so, that's something I've really worked on, just, you know, especially as rap music gets more creative, I've had to, like, really take a look at myself and be like, mm, you you can't just color within the lines. Mm. And and a lot of these young producers who have no training have influenced guys like me who are formally trained just be like, okay, you can distort that so it sounds totally blown out and crazy. Or, you know, you can, like, you can put, like, a flanger on that vocal and make it sound trippy. Like, yeah. that would have been, like... You would totally outlandish. Dude, when I first started, if I was like doing like Travis Scott sounding vocals with big flange and reverb, like people, you'd be fired. Yeah, you'd be like, done. what the hell is this? Yeah. But now, um, people are coloring <laughs> outside the lines, and that's led us to like much cooler music. I love yeah. it. I love it. But like I referenced before, you have to, you have to stay in tune with that, and and you will you will get left behind. I know you know lots of engineers. They're still you know what I mean stuck. I'm not speaking on anyone in particular, but if you're stuck just making that same, you know, boom bap style engineering style, you're yeah. like, you're that's not, not it's not enough, yeah, and it's not enough sure. anymore. And and it's it's not a passive process to, to kind of stay up to date with that. It's mm-hmm. an active process. You have to be actively listening, embracing things. It may not have to be your favorite thing, but you have to wrap your head around it, like Good we talked point. about, you know, Good all the wavy point. rap. But back to Kanye West, I think he if if you're looking for that inspiration, you know. 
go listen to his music or or just that sphere of music, Travis Scott, Astral World. You know, it's all the same family. It's you know Mike Dean engineering that stuff, and just listen to something like that. If you're feeling kind of stale with your production, your engineering, listen to that. They don't care. They're just putting crazy echo <laughs> on shit, and it's just distorted. And you know, sometimes for better or for worse. But I'll take that entertaining imperfection over something that's clinically perfect mm. you know i do like that clean sound too the more clinically perfect sound might be drake you know really refined clean sound that's what works for him too okay sure but i gotta interject here hold up when 40 took the entire high end and just let drake's vocals operate in the high end and then put everything else in the low end yeah that's that, cool that was revolutionary that is revolutionary absolutely right that was revolutionary i mean yeah totally you take that for granted now yeah um, and there's a few artists that you can kind of attribute that to. Like a lot of people will say, maybe someone like James Blake. Wow, might have been one of the I first. I never put the dots might, together. Might be one of the first people to do that. Really stripped down, just a really sparse pad sound, atmospheric sound with an 808, and just a voice totally. with reverb or totally in the in the pop world. Like a, I don't know if this is before that, but like a Lana Del Rey. Like you hear that in other in other genres Man, um, yeah. but I, I definitely 40 was the person to that underwater kind of murky sound oh, huge it, influence man. on me i still do that yes, direct derivative of, <laughs> of that sound and what became the toronto sound let's bring it back to the you're talking about it was really cool to see atlanta kind of have its moment coming to come into their own but what's really cool is to see toronto as a canadian you know if, if someone asked you before where are you from if you were networking down in la big like, i'm from canada yeah you know what i mean you kind of yeah. just oh canada oh igloos yeah, and shit. Yeah. you it's leave like, your polar bear at the border exactly or? you literally heard that but it's it's so cool that in a sense toronto kind of has moved into almost like an atlanta 2.0 position where totally. they created that that sound and it wasn't just drake it was producers like boy wanda and and yeah and, and murder Woods beats and, and all yeah. that stuff like it was murder beats from toronto i, I shouldn't don't know. make false fake I'm news not sure on that he one. is yeah he is yeah. but you know what i mean just um as a canadian that's so cool yeah and and we went through a couple years there where canadians dominated from weekend bieber drake oh my god biggest yeah, artist in the world like don't count out bieber he's that guy sold records really talented guy but yeah. regardless we won't even get into that but <laughs> yeah. toronto kind of evolving and stepping up and being a cultural hot How? spot for music and dude, it still is. I was just oh, um, it's, it's still oh, is. it still is. I I had never been to Toronto. I I, I was blessed enough to have the uh, opportunity to play in the uh, Red Bull three on three national finals, and literally, that city. I feel like Drake is to Toronto what LeBron is to Cleveland. Or yeah, Akron, he's like Ohio. an. Well, they they did this study where they measured the economic impact Drake had what? on Toronto, oh, really? where it was like. I forget the the things, but you know the effect that he's had on the Raptors and just with yeah. the music industry and, and concerts and the taxes he pays and whatever. And it was like in billions of dollars his economic or hundreds of millions. They, they commissioned a study. That's real. No, it's it's so he's real. totally the the LeBron. So when is when is Vancouver gonna get? Well, their I have to, I have to wonder like, and this is something that obviously comes up a lot at work and just talking with clients, and we have to wonder. It's just like you know when the real estate prices go up. In Vancouver, they also go up in Burnaby. Like, I wonder when that spillover effect will happen. But we also have to to respect and not take for granted that it's just going to get to that point. Like, are are we producing enough consistent quality? <clears throat> excuse me, mm. quality that that warrants that world stage. And I think we do create some, but I think as content creators out here and as artists, we have to push ourselves. And if we are going to take 
that embrace that spotlight that we maybe have better access to that we have to be ready to step up to the plate with the quality content right. to, to deserve it to warrant mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. and that's easier said than done well that's really hard i mean regardless on however many tiers on the most underground to the top of the top the weekend bieber drake there's quality music throughout it mm -hmm. and the underground is feeding the mainstream and is feeding the top you just need something you need like a catalyst you know what i mean you right. need a drake or a weekend um and you need a bit of unity too like one thing i think i, I saw this quest love interview where he talked about um how when the roots were started they didn't understand why they weren't blowing up like they thought they would they were getting some success but like they knew their music was really innovative and revolutionary but they didn't know why it wasn't kind of catching fire and he said that what he figured out was that they were just a lone kind of entity that, and they needed to click up as he described it mm. so they they needed to surround themselves with guys like to live quali or you know what i mean uh, and and yeah, and and, and, and common and and other acts and kind of build a crew to create this kind of movement group movement this group momentum um and i won't try and like interpret that he says it so much more eloquently but it really resonated with me that that they realized that they needed to build something bigger than just them and just feed off that collective momentum and build each other up and the one universal thing that you'll if you talk to any artist or rapper out here is everyone definitely feels like that's lacking out here i think it's definitely getting better um but i think we have a ways to go mm. so you know someone like me who kind of watches kind of with a kind of like a, a bird's eye view because I work with so many different people out here and maybe should play a bigger role in that I wonder how I could contribute but um it's a good question it's yeah. a good question but yeah just kind of building a bit more yeah of a group Congruity a group momentum out here instead of every man for himself um again easier said than done and it's a lot easier when you have something to build around like if someone does take off and starts helping building up people around them that's obviously that's obviously like the starting point when you can look at some other you know event that's taken place that's kind of what you see but we've kind of got to even look even further back and see how we can lift be in a position to lift someone into that position you know no i i completely agree and us as a city need to come together the the two most successful in my mind when i think about successful ah Maybe on the urban side, I think of early on, I think of Swollen, mm -hmm. Swollen members. Rascals. And, and yeah, what they were able to do. And uh, and then now I think of SDK and Effin, yeah. you know? I think that, that Snack and Merck are the two guys that are the most, that have, that have built, they've, they've built, they've built the best thing because they, they, they subscribe to just what Questlove was talking about. They built a movement, they built a culture, um, it's around, not around only music, but art and clothing, and, and they created a whole thing. And that's totally analogous, and that's totally why it worked. Mm. Um, their music may not be the cup of tea for everyone, you know what I mean? It, but they've they've created such connections with diehard fans, and, and they've made such genuine, honest music that makes that gives people that feeling. You know, I talked about that feeling. Well, I think their music gives people that feeling and makes makes them feel that rush I or agree. It, they may they may connect to the struggles or the you know what I mean? it's it's very relatable for a lot of people and so on top of having a muse uh, a movement they made uh they made real connections with people I agree and I think they totally spoke to what Vancouver uh the lower mainland Vancouver Island uh the interior is and they took that culture and ran with it even if that culture is kind of ugly you know what I mean? Like, I, maybe I'll use the wrong word, but it's harder. You know, like, mm -hmm. you know, yes, Surrey's not a great place at times. You know, like, yes, let's embrace that. Let's move forward with that. I mean, 
I love Merck as the poster boy for that, even though he is, you know, again, people have kind of uh, helped him all along the road. Snack came through before and, and Evil and all those guys. Um, but I love that, like, I love that Merck has the the face scar and I love that he is so undeniably raw and it's so crazy undeniably story. him. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And especially, I, I had a moment of like, yes, I love it when he came through with uh, Cole. And mm-hmm. uh, which again, it was all you. <laughs> no, that wasn't all me. Actually, well, I did. I did five songs on there. Sure. Um, but and the rest of it was done by another great engineer named Nato. He's also very dope. They have DJ a good Nato in Edmonton. Yeah, th- yeah, and they've got a great relationship. So I don't yeah. want to take credit for what sure, he does. Yeah, He's also yeah. a great engineer. So he killed Sh- it. All yeah, that shout too. out to Nato for sure. But I mean, yep. still, with you had a large hand in it, no Definitely, doubt. Yeah. Um, but the way that he kind of did a full circle there. I mean, when he did, uh, I think it was off Trust Your Gut when he did uh, Gone Die with Stevie Ross. I was like, oh, yeah. I hope he's going to go down this path Mm -hmm. and he did yeah he's really going down that path very uh, introspective like we talked about the the mental health issues and you know it's funny when we make this music like when i for example the songs that i did with murk or snack it's crazy to go on social media and then just after the songs come out you know you're working on it you're like oh this is crazy it's really meaningful but you know it's it's a project and it's just like you know it's It's a client it's It's, no no not necessarily that but for both of us you know we're just trying to get the song done and create good music Mm. but i think sometimes you forget just how much i do anyways just how much these songs can connect with people um and if someone's just feeling some type of way on a certain day and they put on you know a song like you know moment or gun die or something and and they just feel holy this is me or you know snack has this song that we did on his last album called ashes it was about losing his father and when you go and read the comments on you know instagram or youtube it's just like holy crap so it's really it's a good reminder just to just to not take for granted the connections that you can and will make with people if you create genuine music um and you always know that but it's just there's something about going and seeing the actual reactions yeah and sometimes you underestimate the impact that it might have. Yeah, no, I mean... Because it feels so personal. Like, you make it, and you're like, okay, this is my experience, and, and they're, they're writing songs. This is That's their world. That's their experience, their, you know, feeling. But you get to share those feelings, and not mm. to be so whimsical, but it's crazy to see those connections that those well, no, songs can true. make. And that's that's where it's truly art. It's, it's art in its purest form. You're evoking emotions in other people and you're you're moving forward. And again, that is what brings in collective culture, in my opinion. It's like, that is how, if we really actually touch people on real subjects, that's how we bring them together. That's how we unite them. That's how we bring culture to a city that is lacking it. And um, yeah. I think that the way that he was vulnerable is super admirable. And because it's SDK, it's Stomp Down Killers. SDK, you know what I mean. Like, Which, and those guys have been at it for a long time. Like, how satisfying is it to to watch? If you've been watching for a while, like I've damn. known Ryan and and the Effin and SDK guys for I don't know almost fifteen years, and just when they started out with their their rather humble beginnings, just making clothes and stuff. And but I got to shout whatever, yeah. yeah. But I honestly got to shout out Ryan, who's you know he stepped into a kind of a management role for Merck, and he does the Effin thing. Um, but I've got to say, I've watched that guy for the last 15 years bring kids that couldn't afford studio time. He would bring them to my studio and pay for a session just for them to get in the studio and get that experience. He would give them clothes. He would give them a platform. You know, people like Merck or 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 even Snack, like, you know, built 
built their own things, no question. But it all starts with like support of people like Ryan, giving them a chance and, and helping build something around that and being, being a part of something. So someone like Ryan, we need more people like that guy who he, he not only was about it, he put his money where his mouth is and invested with nothing to gain and, yeah, and just no furthering, ROI. giving people a chance and just kind of building up for him. It was building up Surrey and giving Surrey artists a chance. And to see it where it is now, like, shit, it took a while. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that guy's yeah. been hustling that effing thing and the SDK thing, which was also, um, yeah. it's not just him, but, you know, that guy's been pushing for that for, like, since some of these kids that are listening to this music were not even born. Not you know even what I mean? Born, yeah. He's been pushing that for a long time. And to finally see it paying off at a level which I think he definitely deserves and, and the whole crew definitely deserves, it's, I gotta say, it's satisfying. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, man. We need more people like that in not just music in every culture selfless people it's fucking beautiful yeah i love it and and to totally. take the ego and and all that out of it it's but is that what we need just back to like the original discussion is that is that what we need more of to to kind of build up our culture out here to a little bit more of a viable ecosystem sure if we need if 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 the answer to that question is yes then it will take another 10 years it will take another decade. It will take another 15 years because, again, they need to mature. What if, I mean, we thought, you know, Mad Child and Swollen brought it to the scene. I remember when I, 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 I honestly when I honestly thought that in 08 when um, Get Em was on Much Music, Confidential, uh, I don't even know, I think Stevie Ross was Subway back then. I think I don't know. He went. That was on much music, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like it's happening now. These like these artists are gonna." No, listen, it, it's gonna take another ten years, and we're still not even there, <laughs> right? So it's like, yeah, if if that is true, if that is the answer, we do need more people to usher in and be selfless and and play the the yeah. father, the grandfather role. It's gonna take another ten years. I guess it's it's kind of a cop out to to. I don't want to put it all on that too, though, because it, it is about the art, and and I do think that the art out here, um, you know, there's always been good art, but I think as a as a general whole, it is the, the bar is being raised. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's evolving. I think if you go back 10 years and just look at all the the urban music that was being made out here, with just a bunch of people rapping about, you know, backpack rap, which is cool, but it's also cool to see how it's evolved. And, um, I think a lot of the music that I see coming through my studio and seeing other people make out here is starting to become a lot more commercially viable. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say it's happening yet, but I see the potential of a bit more of a sound to develop out here because right now, you know, it's very derivative of Toronto or, Absolutely. or, or Atlanta or whatever, just as it is in any non solidified market with same, the same things that they face in any market. But I do see a potential just with who's working right now and the, and the innovative steps that they're taking. Uh, I do see the potential for like also to a sound to form out here. Who do you feel are the leaders of that sound? Um, However young it may be. I think a couple of the most original people out here right now who, who I think are the most commercially viable. Um, the first is one guy. I'll, I'll plug my own guy first. My <laughs> homie Seth K, a.k.a. he's going by side now. But I think he makes very commercially viable music. And I think the other one who... Um, who I don't know very well, but you know, I, I chat with them a bit is the Manila gray guys. I think that their music is very commercially viable. Um, and I think they both have a kind of a cool, dark atmospheric, glossy sound that you can hear the influence in it, but, uh, uh from, from certain things. But at the same time, I feel it's, it's original. I feel like they added the rain. You know what I mean? They added 
the Seattle, the Vancouver, Ooh, the clouds. You know I what like mean? that. That's I never thought of it that way. When I um, I'm a I'm a, you don't know this, but I'm a big Seth K fan. Um, yeah, he's. I'm a huge fan too. I I'm baffled of where he's at now. I, I have no idea. I have no connection with Seth K at all. Um, and I only look at it as a from a fan. To me, it makes no sense that he is not on a higher platform. I feel the same way. Um, and I feel he's incredibly slept 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 on. Seth, I'd love to have you on this podcast, but we need to get you on. Um, We'll line it up. Um, anyways, he, when he put out See You in LA in 2014, 15, or whatever it was, I, I truly felt that was progressive of music as a whole, not even as Vancouver. Wow. Like, honestly, it was yeah, man. It, it was a different sound. And it was, yes, you could hear influences of early trap soul and all that stuff that we just spoke about, but I, he truly brought the rain and Manila as well. But that was before Trap Soul, wasn't that, it? Yes, it, it essentially was. It, it essentially was. And that's why I say uh, music as a whole, it was moving in a direction that it hadn't yet gone. And it wasn't just this little backpack rap here and there. And I don't mean to shit on backpack rap. And that's where I he love, comes from, a slightly more rapish background absolutely. with the District 36 stuff. Exactly. And but, I, I love the backpack rap. Like, don't was, get me wrong. It was so cool. Exactly. And I think we need more stuff like that of artists actively evolving so it's mm. really cool to hear you say that and that CUNLA project to this day is one of my favorite for sure favorite things i i ever worked on and and for me seth always made music that i would i i, I knew right away when i was listening to it, that this is something that even if i had no personal investment in this or no involvement i would listen, would to, listen this. to i it. would seek this out i would hit add to yes. you know library yes i, I always yes. felt that way about his music yes and i i remember being like man i hope he just doesn't just go down to la and just start doing his thing down there like i hope he stays a vancouver <laughs> artist <laughs> yeah you know what i he's mean gonna, yeah and with gray too it's just like uh he's got one track uh time they. zones uh what am i thinking of I don't know. It's a group, though. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. they. Oh, they, yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah. I was like, I don't know that track, they. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, they. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, they is a dope group, too, That's by the way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I, you going there. I was like, I, don't, I didn't know there was a connection there. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, who who is the collective group? I'm so ignorant. I apologize. Um, it's I'm the two guys f- in this, that um, Azel guy, the, the, the producer, too. Yeah. Azel North, he's dope. Okay. Okay, dope, sweet. I'm just a fan, so I don't know. But um, I lo- again, I love their craft. Again, Solvin and Nico, I think, yeah. is the two guys. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, sure. I fucking love what they're doing. It's like cool sound. They again, they added the rain. That's just the way I, I look at it. I'm gonna steal that. You yeah, guys heard it here do. first. My good idea about yeah. creating the so, sound analogous terrain. I'm so glad I thought yeah. of that. Jamie's he's he's so progressive. He's just he's in I a zone of, where no of, one else is there. I think of words and I just use them. <laughs> Original in thoughts a, in a poetic way. <laughs> you heard it here first. Self hire brand. You won't believe what Jamie said after this. Plug. And it's going to be one of those websites where you got to click. 12 oh, times yeah, through the exactly. slideshow and God. just generate that ad revenue just to get the answer we gotta talk to our uh we gotta talk to our producer let's get just that to, roi we need that yeah. but anyways we need some more money anyways <laughs> so but it's true so i think acts like that i think we i feel like we can build around that i agree man and if that does become our sound and i say that strictly as a fan i'm fucking so eager and happy to get and let's shout that. out another another self-hired a homie of all of ours so let's shout out tilo, tilo too who's been at it a long do. time he's please elevated do. his game and he's he's elevated from a position where you know before he came on he was this rugged street rapper kind of yelling at you quite frankly you know i've even told him it was a lot for me to digest back then and i think he was slept on because he was he had that real you know this voice had so much bite to it but he had bars but i missed it because i kind of <laughs> I would kind of write it off like, oh, this guy's just yelling at me in a bulletproof vest. You know what I mean? 
mean? Yeah. But he was always a very clever artist. And if I, if I go back and look now, I see what I was missing. But fast forward, um, just to his and, recent and, project, and just having the pleasure to work with with him, and man, that guy has evolved as an artist. And that also, I feel, as far as like he's more on the street music side of things, mm-hmm. which will always have a big place in hip hop. And you know, I think that you know that sound that he created on that last project is something I could get behind too. And I think that's something that we can build around. And it's funny we made that project over the course of a couple years. Crazy, and it was funny to watch like. Some of like, you know, the the things, the melodies he would do or the effects that we would put on his stuff. You know, we just had free reign. He would give me free reign. Just fuck me up, you know, like put some effects <laughs> on it. And it was funny. Like, I almost wish some of that stuff had come out further because we would do some things that I'd never heard before. And then, you know, a year goes by and then I start hearing these things. these things. I'm like, shit. Yeah, we, we were doing been, that. We, we could have been there. And it's, you know, it's, it's all, you no, no one gives a shit after they've already heard. Well, they, they, they do, but you can't claim that after it already comes out. But I truly believe that, you know, he was really onto something and we, we were creating some sounds that I'd never heard before. And still, when it came out, still some really innovative sounds, but it was crazy. I think mm-hmm. that he was a little ahead of his time, just like Seth was on that other project. I agree. I agree. Yeah. No, I think that the way Seth maybe could lead a kind of a com- commercial sound, if you will, crafting a more viable sound for everyday listeners. I think that T. Loke is can and will be a leader in pushing that authentic street raw sound. You yeah, know what I mean it's which will always be so important, and that's at the end of the day, that's still to this day. Maybe it's just because I grew up listening to, you know. Queensbridge street rap but yeah, at the end no, of the day yeah. that's what I keep coming back to that feeling even though if it doesn't have much bearing to to my life experiences I don't care neither does the does neither does Goodfellas or any of the movies I watch it, it doesn't have to it that's gives me that feeling point. it's immersive it's like watching a movie so I think that street culture and hip-hop will always be there that is fucking valid that's a super valid point yeah just about you know this isn't any more me than this is you know what I mean mm-hmm. like it's like I especially as and this is especially as two white males sitting down talking about urban music in mm-hmm. Canada. You know what I mean? So we, and again, I love your opinion on it and I love your, the way you approach it where you just, you're, you know, it's almost as if you're outside of it. Like you're very in the culture for God's sakes, you've been behind, you know, some of the best music to come out of the West coast. So it's just like, you're very in it, but you have a, um, a lens where you take a step back and say, like a, okay, like objective yeah, kind of object. Yeah, exact. Uh, objective, excuse me. Um, very much so where you, don't seem to have judgments on people based on like you have so much time in the game where it's like, I I know you've met these people. (laughs) I know you have personal relationships with these people. You don't come off that way at all. You come off as someone that's nope, never met any of these people. I'm just listening to the music and I'm just seeing where their culture's going. You know what I mean? It's like, you're, Oh no, I'm not going to not shot this guy out because he didn't say what's up at this club this one time. You know what I mean? Your ego is very away from it, which is, I think is something that's missing. We want to circle back to what's missing from us getting our sound i think i true i'm young guy i don't have the answers but i think the ego is there i think it is 100 percent. we're in the way of ourselves well the ego is always going to be there and it's always going to be there with artists i mean we're, we're we're all creative types and it's always there but one thing i will say is the ability to check that at the door when you get in the studio is essential um and it is a learned skill mm-hmm. it's not something that you do right away so like imagine being a producer and someone comes and you make a beat and they're like, nah, that ain't it. That ain't it, chief. And you're like, what the fuck? What do you mean? This shit is fire. But it's like yeah. the, the ability just to be like, okay, cool. Well, how can we make this better? Instead of having an emotional reaction, geez, that takes time. Um, 
The same is true for artists. Like I think what really works, taking it back to what we talked about relationships, once you build that rapport with someone in the studio, you can just cut the shit. Yeah. So if one of my homies is rapping and they may have been rapping for 10 years and they're one of the greatest rappers I've ever met, but sometimes that one bar needs tweaking or it just doesn't sound right. You need to be able to have the rapport with someone and be like, you know what? Love everything about it, but that, that fourth bar, we got to swap that for something else. And then just to be able to like, trust that and not be like no i like that just to at least explore that idea or for someone to be like you know what we i think we really need to make sure that like you know the vocals have a bit more of a warmer sound like the the knee-jerk reaction for like a younger creative or someone who's you know hasn't gone through that process yet is just to get defensive and it's the easiest simplest and most natural reaction um for any creative person whether i don't care whether you're a producer engineer painter you know what i mean yeah yeah Sure. Whatever. Yeah. The, the, the knee-jerk reaction is to be defensive or in your feelings or in your ego. Um, but every good relationship that I have, and I th- I'm sure this goes for anyone, is just being able to check that at the door and just have some fun and just do what is best for the end result. Yeah, no, for sure. But it takes that, I mean, but years once, of rapport. It, it takes it, and it, it, but once you get it, it's just, it's just how you operate. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I think some people are used to encountering people where it's always butting heads. Like you're just used to working with a, another dude and they're just, you guys are always butting heads. But when you find that relationship with someone, it's just like, whoa. Yeah, people don't like honesty a lot of the time. and But it takes, again, it takes a lot of back and forth. Like, hey, this didn't work. Like, period. It, it, it didn't work. It's not, listen, I'm in the studio with you. I'm behind the boards. Every part of me wants this project to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's how you have to be. You have to be invested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but hey, at the end of the day, you know, um, bars four through 10, that whole topic you just touched on, I don't think it goes with a song at all. So let's scrap it. Or let's, what if we put, like, what if you try to be experimental and it's just like, yeah, you know what? Never mind. No one was there to tell Future at the end of that J-Rock song or whatever that. Oh my God. No one was there. There was no one to tell Future, don't do that. That was an internet sensation for a second. His engineer passed away. RIP, I forget his name, but that guy wasn't there to tell him, don't do that. Man, and whenever something super fucking atrocious comes out, I'm always like, someone had to approve that. Several people. I'm sure Kendrick got that track back and was like, what the fuck is this? la dee da dee da It's trash. It's just fucking trash. I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> um, but someone had to be like, Kendrick got it back. He was like, okay, this is cool. This no, is cool. I, I don't think Kendrick said that. <laughs> you I think, think he so? said, well, fuck, just yeah. what we got, right? Yeah, because that was on the soundtrack for... Um, Black Panther. Black Panther. Oh, I love that. People so- okayed that. I love that soundtrack. I really I did. Think I've, I've, I fantasize about the scenario. You know what I mean? Who am I to tell future? <laughs> but I honestly think, even as little old me, if I was in the studio, I like to have this fantasy where when that recording session was going down and I've got my opportunity to engineer future, I would have found a way to be like... Yeah, I love that whole verse, but I think just keeping with the vibe of what you were going for before would have been the move. Finding some sort of tactful way just to fucking X that shit. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> that would have required tact, but I think I would have gone for it. I just would have gone for it. And that's what makes you the engineer that you are, um, for you sure. You would have been like, nah, man, get out of here. That's, that's the best part. Man, get this... <laughs> Get this guy's polar bear and get him back into yeah. Canada, man. We're done with this guy. guy. Yeah, Jesus. I remember Christ. I was recording this one, this one uh, for an early Snack the Ripper album. He had a feature from R.A. the Rugged Man, who's Fire. this dope 
yeah. OG rapper from uh, from New York, or not even, but, and I remember he came in, he was just clowning me, man, this always comes back to that, I remember I came in, I was wearing like a, like a billabong hat or something, <laughs> and he comes in, he's like, look at this motherfucker, he's like, this motherfucker looks like he's in the band Fall Down Boy or something, and I was like, fuck, and he just kept calling me Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. I'm getting roasted right Ryan now. It was a lot of fun, though. Ryan Seacrest looking yo, look motherfucker. At, yo, Ryan Seacrest, punch me in. <laughs> it was a real... that I had to grow as a person just to sit there and be like, absolutely, R.A., the rugged man. I'll punch in. Everyone's laughing at me. I fuck you guys. <laughs> Pause. No one else stood oh up for me. No. My God, what do you say to R.A., so... the rugged man? He's a beast. He's a, he's a character. That's fucking Excellent hilarious. rapper, too. Yeah, and OG. A lot of <laughs> OG people for don't sure. know... But he was clowning uh, me hard. Fuck you. So, uh, were you, okay, follow-up question. Were you in the studio when Project Pat came in for Mercs? Project Pata? No. I think he got sent that verse. Okay, okay. Project Pata. No, I wasn't there for Because I would have uh, loved to hear how that one went down. Dude, Project Pat is a legend. I saw the 3-6 Mafia show when they came and performed at Plush or Gossip or whatever the fuck they call it now. And that was the best hip-hop show I've ever been to. No way. Those guys have so many hits. I don't Okay, I'm going to I'm going to do a bit of a bit of a confession here. I'm not actually a huge fan of live rap music. Oh. Doesn't really do it for me in a lot of cases. It just I prefer the recorded. I prefer sitting in my car or in the studio with a nice system and taking it in as it sounds, you know, with the nuances of someone's voice instead of, you know, the hype. Yeah. I don't get the hype doesn't do it for me all the time. But what I will say is I learned a lot about how I think a hip-hop show should be from that 3-6 Mafia show. Granted, they have the catalog of hits to just do this, but sometimes they would just come up there and they would just play the hook of a song mm. and then just stop it. Boom, air horns, fucking explosion sound effect. And it was just lit. Yeah. And they would just do a hook and then out and then just another track, just Fire. a verse and a hook. And they kept it moving. That's and that's dope. what I like in live hip-hop. I don't need to hear all both 16s and both hooks every time. Some of those songs you do, but I think the the culture has gotten so ADD that like a verse and a hook, keep it moving. Far, yeah, no, for sure. I think Explosion sound effect, air horn, air horn, air horn. <laughs> Shout out Joe Budden. <laughs> Shout out everybody. Shout out the entire yeah. fucking industry. Yeah, that's... glass breaking. Sometimes for, for I'll get DJs hitting me up, they'll be like putting together their sets and I'll be doing the show mixes for, I have to make performance mixes yeah. for all the rappers of their songs that have the verses muted and then just the hook in there or whatever. But then I always get requests. Hey man, their DJ, my DJ wants to also grab. Do you have any glass breaking bomb? You know, <laughs> sound effects and all yeah, that's all throw yeah, in a pack of flex, just, yeah. just just a bunch of hype sounds. I got that folder just waiting there for DJs who ask for for all the hype sounds. Uh, hey man, I like it. I, so I like I'm, it a I'm lot. propagating that. So <laughs> you're propagating that. part of the problem. I like no, it. I like it. I actually like this. I no, like the I like crazy it too, sound man. effects. It's part, it's part of the culture. It tells me what I should feel. Excitement. Ah, <laughs> fucking three six mafia. Ma yeah, mafia. But those guys. Shout out to Three Six Mafia. They're so culturally relevant still. Like I grew up listening to them. But when you listen to you talked about like ASAP Mob and all that stuff, and just when you listen to all the flows that exist today, that are just exact syllable for syllable replicas, replicas of Three Six Mafia flows. I agree. So cool. I agree completely, man. So cool. It's uh, it's so funny just having this conversation with you because you're so fucking in tune with all this gangster rap, and it's yeah. fucking hilarious. Well, look at me. But you're, I mean, you're, you're married. You're you dress well you're very, i told you i put on jeans for this you, man i you, wear, i normally wear sweatpants exactly. i was like this is going to be on youtube i better wear jeans you're very well you're very well uh articulated uh, you know like you're you're an intelligent guy not to say that that shit isn't intelligent it's just rough and rugged you know what i mean yeah it's but like i said it's like watching a movie 
<laughs> I love okay, it. Okay, sure. Maybe it's like watching a movie, but what happens when you're in the studio? And I'm wilding shit? out. <laughs> you're wilding out? I'm like, can you please put more gun references in this bar? No, I don't know. <laughs> you have to be in tune with it, though. You're right. That's an interesting point. Like, I don't know. You just channel it, but like, it's do not. You, nec- do, you, do you smoke weed? I I used to smoke weed, but I don't smoke weed anymore. I don't. It gives me crazy weed. As it, it gives me crazy anxiety. Fair. Like I'm just one of those people. You always hear those stories. Like some people could just continue smoking tons of weed. I used to love smoking weed, but now if I smoke like even like a few like, and man, everyone's smoking these like crazy like tunas and stuff. These heavy cushions. <laughs> like if someone comes to the studio and I take even one hit of that, my day is fucking ruined. You're it's gone. like what would happen to you if you hit a dab or something? No, fuck no. Yeah, no, I'd be out. I'd be <laughs> I out. I can't do it. I wish I could because it'd be cool to like <laughs> unwind and like listen to my mix through like a different lens. But I just can't do it. Not at all. Hey, not wow, at all. That's crazy. Was there like a time where you? could and now you no, can't well or, yeah i used to i used to like was there a day where you just like there was one day too much had no, a couple edibles <laughs> no yeah that's a different story but i remember just you know just like any kid from around here i used to smoke a bunch of weed with my friends and just like drive around and be wow. like our, the activity back be in the kid. day was smoke some weed but while you were smoking weed, you would talk about the next place that you were going to go to smoke weed. So we'd be blazing at one park. We, we'd have a nickname for it. Yo, let's go to Ghetto Park, man. Let's blaze. We'd be sitting there blazing. Be like, where do you think we should blaze next? And then we'd be like, okay, let's hit the key. Go down a lawn sale key and blaze. And it was just like this fucking nonstop thing of just blazing and talking about the next place you're going to go blaze. Yeah. But it was fun. Go yeah. through, maybe if you're feeling extra trippy, go through the car wash on your way to the next one and look at the tricolor foam that comes down. They'd be like, and that shit looked like a Winamp screensaver or whatever. But... <laughs> but no but then there was just one day that i was just i got baked and i realized i fucking hate this (laughs) why am i smoking weed just smoking weed out of habit and i just never ever smoke weed anymore oh my god you got me dying i'm sorry that's just so funny (laughs) there's this one time and now i can say this with truth but i remember going across the border one time and i was coming back and the border you can say it with truth because it's legal now i don't know just because i don't smoke weed i don't know (laughs) i got you um, but this bo- this border guard asked me, he says, okay, do you have any alcohol or tobacco? And I look at him, I say, yes, I have an open pack of cigarettes. And he, he looks at me, he goes, opium cigarettes? I go, no, 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 an open pack of tobacco cigarettes. I have some. And, uh, and he goes, he looks me dead in the eye. There's just a pause. And he goes, have you ever smoked marijuana? Oh, my God. And I, and I look at him, I go, no, I've never smoked marijuana. Yeah. He's like, you're telling me that in college or anything yeah no one ever passed you joint you never smoked any weed i looked him dead in the eye said i have never smoked wow. marijuana he's like you're telling me that at a party or at anything you've never smoked marijuana i said absolutely not never smoked marijuana like what did they expect you to say at that point maybe we can't put this in the final edit i'll never be allowed back in the states but yeah. it was just the crazy line of question i went from having a pack of cigarettes in the car to he turned that into opium cigarettes and yeah. then this crazy line yeah. of questioning so that was a trip people are wild yeah people are wild so those border guards are wild man yeah i mean well, how many times you hear there's a show being canceled because they got stopped at the border yeah i mean it happens all the time happens all the time we have strict canada has really strict laws with like letting people across like if you have a dui or something a lot of the times you won't what? get across really? is that true like the DUI? artists have problems with yeah no that's that's super wild um so just to sorry just to pivot back not that the weed conversation is not incredibly interesting yeah um but i want to get you in your area of expertise man yeah like, weed smoking is not my area of expertise <laughs> i hate to say it um but you were talking back about, you know, smoking weed in the studio and getting yeah, that yeah, feeling. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And, I, and yeah. I get that. And I know that a lot of people, when they do smoke weed, they look at the mix different and they can see and hear different sounds in different yeah. ways. I, I get that too. I All mean, my clients, almost every single one of my clients smokes weed. Yeah. 
So this henny, yeah, Kevin will come through with Tilo can drink the henny. But what's really interesting is that people have this vision of the music industry. I think like the the trope comes from the eighties where there's like cocaine and like bitches Strippers and whatever. And- like honestly, first of all, I'll say that the amount I've I can't even recall the last time I saw anyone use hard drugs in the studio. People smoke a lot of weed. People don't even drink that much. Like it gets sloppy and you're there to be productive. So I gotta gotta say that like the the idea that people might have of the studio, at least from the sessions that I do, is it's way less of a party than you'd think. Mm-hmm. People are there to work. You know what I mean? Everyone's time is valuable and, and you know what I mean? And, and everyone wants to leave with something good. So I think people would be surprised with the lack of, of party atmosphere. Like I don't even like people bringing a bunch of homies. Like I've got friends like Seth, he brings his friends like Vaughn and those guys, like those guys are super cool. They come in, they're not too loud. They're not belligerent and they add to the vibe. They add constructive feedback. But I think as a general rule, especially unless if I, you know, we we're, we have some rapport, like. I think a tip would be just don't bring your homies to the studio because yeah. it's not a party and a bunch yeah. of people talking a bunch of shit behind you on the couch while I'm trying to like pick a snare drum like that's not a good look. So uh, I'm surprised though. I like yeah, you, people would be surprised that it's it's much more professional in the studio than, than I think a lot of people would assume. Well, I think that people respect the space too. I mean, it is so the studio that you work out of that is that your studio or is yeah, it, yeah. So that's is that one you've I don't, I don't want to say built from the ground up, but it's one that you've constructed and is your yeah, space. Yeah, I, I became a part of it early on, and it kind of evolved <clears throat> and grew into into what it is today. And I've got a, an awesome partner, Mike Southworth, who co-owns the studio with me, and Jim Kwan, who runs the music school upstairs at, at, that, at the building that it's in. So I've got some great partners, but yeah, so mm-hmm. the, but the room. I'm in basically is my room and and we have some other rooms some great spaces that some other great engineers rent and it's it's a really cool collective creative area down there that's amazing it's awesome it's cool it's cool in a space like when you're working and then down the hall someone's working and you see in the hall everyone's getting coffee it's like oh how's your session going and there's that chit chat and banter and then someone from that studio a rock guy might be like oh fuck I'll come lay a riff and like that happened on the on Snacks last album we needed a guitar solo and one of the engineers down the hall is a sick guitar player John Ellis and he just came in and shredded a guitar solo (laughs) on the song with Ritz and that just happened organically because Ritz yeah that Ritz song all out the guitar solo on there we just grabbed john from down the hall said hey come play a solo and that's just the kind of stuff that happens when you're in a room and it's not just some like you know isolated kind of yeah well it's beautiful creative energy right that's just it's just all moving and vibing and you talk about building a movement that's probably part of it i think it is i think it is let's get more studios like that but i mean just to loop back that's probably why people don't come in and be belligerent i wouldn't come in and if i was an artist and and get fucked up when I'm trying to come into a good studio with a good engineer and really get shit done. Like, I guess it just depends. I think once you hit a certain level, I mean, you see these clips of dudes in big studios and they got 20 dudes there and everyone's yeah. smoking weed and whatever. Like, okay, teach their own. But yeah, that's not really the, the vibe that, that we go for right. when we're working. Right. No, I get that. So how much of your work is actual recording engineering? How much of it is you just going in solo and working with a mix? Good question. I'd say just across the board, what I do or in the scope of a project? Uh, I would say across the board. Um, I'd say probably about 30, 30, 40% of what I do is recording, maybe 30, and about 70% of what I do is the post-production. Right. Well, it takes more time. It takes more time, and uh, I think that that's a bit more of the in what I do that's a little bit more of where the art is like I really love being in a room with the artist and if I'm not in the room with the artist we don't have the benefit of being able to bounce those ideas and and share our you know our collective thoughts on things and kind of distill it down to what we both think it should be but that being said like there's a lot more of the art 
in what an engineer does is in the mix process and kind of doing the the post-production gotcha um so i think an artist would be better off like if i had any tips you know an artist would be much better off recording at home and getting a decent sound and then sending a song off for mix than recording in a big studio and taking the song home to mix. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I definitely know what you mean so, for sure. Um, obviously, being in the studio, being in a big studio and, and working with someone, like we've gotten to a point where home recording gear, like the the barrier to entry is not the equipment because it's it's proven thousands of times that you yeah. can make a hit on a laptop and record in a hotel room or your basement Russ. the barrier of entry is not the equipment it's it's just the people and the ideas yeah if i was an artist i i could not record myself i don't know how people do it i think uh you would get way too in your own head uh and you just don't have someone to bounce those ideas off and i have a lot of respect for people who can just sit there and objectively kind of go through and make the right call and kind of feel confident that they're coming away with the best you know, cut of vocals that they could have had because uh, for me, I don't know how they do that. You're two in your own head. So the magic of those studio sessions isn't like the cool, like $8,000 mic I record you through. That's here and there. It's more just the synergy and the energy and the creative vibes, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you look at the mix? Like when you, when you really get those, so say you've been in the, the uh, recording session with the artist, you have the vocals that you're all happy with and now it's it's up to you to sit down and mix that. I've heard a lot of different excuse me, engineers or uh, anyone that's, that's doing the mix and the master. I've heard a lot of reference to, um, well, you know, you close your eyes and you look at it like a painting where it's like you have different, I mean, you know, the, the lower end sounds are the darker colors and the blues and the high hats are the yellows. And you try to paint, you know, on a blank canvas and go from there. And everyone has these different metaphors of how they try to make something into a beautiful um, three minute or four minute, you know, song. What's your approach? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I definitely don't like some people see sounds in terms of colors. I think there's like a name for that, like synthesia or something. Sure, there's yeah. a phenomenon for that. I definitely don't look at it that way. Um, I tend to think of sound as more like something in a three dimensional space. You know, I think of things as being close and far. Uh, I I think the biggest thing in terms of mixing is contrast. I think that contrast in music is the one of the things that, that everybody loves, but not everyone puts their finger on why they love something. Um, but I think contrast is the most fundamental uh, driving power in music. Uh, there is no loud without quiet to have the scale. There is no uh, dark without light. There is no gritty without smooth. What would you, uh, what's an artist in your opinion that has great contrast? I think any EDM acts. I think, oh, that, wow, yeah. I think that dance music is the... Um, I think dance music is the number one good example for for contrast because they'll have the the, the low dynamic sections and the big build and then the intense drop. Totally, but if yeah. you want to dissect dance music a bit more, they'll have a smooth sound and then an edgy lead. But they won't. Generally speaking, you don't want two edgy sounds. You want a smooth sound supporting the edgy sound or a full. You don't want too many um, redundant textures. So I think dance music, in a lot of ways. Uh, are leaders in sound design and stuff and they exemplify a lot of those dynamic ranges that yeah. that that make music great or classical music is obviously the the biggest because they rely completely on the sure. dynamics and the sure. different textures but in a modern kind of contemporary setting dance music for sure you speak so much about um you speak so much about feel distance objects here there i can feel it um the shape of the room yada 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 and you know people that know music know that you know, those things are important, but a lot of people do look at it as color 
and mm-hmm. textures, colors, texture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, whereas I feel as if you, you know, you would describe a sound as scratchy, or you would describe a sound as distant, or whatever. Where are you? Is this all the stuff that you're brewing up from inside you, and you've really crafted and honed in, or 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 is there real producers or engineers that you've looked to and been like, oh, you know what? I really like where he's gone with that. I'm going to take that. I really like where this person has taken this sound or taken this methodology and I want to take that and make it my own. Um, I think the way that you break it down is a very personal thing. Like you could listen to someone and be influenced by them um, and and the end result and the end result in what you interpret, that's that's objective. But the subjectivity comes in the way that you parse that information and that you interpret that and the way that you communicate that if only to yourself. Right. Um, so, so people may think of things in terms of colors or, or feels or emotions. Other thing, other people may think spatially. So I think everyone is going to uh, internalize that and kind of uh, have a different language or a different way of viewing those things, mm-hmm. um, but all to the same you know, means at that same ends. You know what I mean? No, no, I got you. So then who would you say or who, what, where would you say um, has crafted the way you approach it? Like, obviously. I guess time, I guess just time and coming into your own. And mm. I think everyone like myself, you learn by copying. So, you know, mm. and to this day, like even the biggest pop writers or, or biggest mix engineers, everyone references. So you make sure that, you know, your your vo- vocals have the clarity of a Drake record. And you, and you, it's it, and referencing is important. And I think that happens at all levels mm. uh, because it helps you kind of just kind of come back to reality a bit or get a bit more of a your bearings in terms of where you've ended up because you can be working on a song for four hours and really go off in a direction but then if you reference it versus some other stuff you realize "Mm, maybe we have to pull it back in this direction a bit that goes back to what you're just saying about contrast light without the dark right i mean you you can't say you're working on a t-loke and then all of a sudden you know you're like oh okay let's let's relax for a second let's put on some drake or let's yeah, put on that's not that's not quite the contrast i was speaking to the more contrast i was speaking to like let's use a t-loke song for example he sure. he may have a chorus that's really big and aggressive but if he's raging the whole song and just going hard that, that chorus is not gonna have any impact but if before the chorus there's a break where he's whispering going i just think that, that mm-hmm. I, you know, when i you know like drake mm-hmm. i've been running through the six, six with my, my woes, woes. And, like yeah. there's that contrast before it it's quiet and then you have that dynamic range that really yeah, shows, fire. you know what I mean? So that's more the the contrast I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I totally get you too. How long can you really sit in the studio? Like, obviously you have so much, people don't understand. It is a fucking time consuming thing. Like, It is, are, it takes a lot of time. Just crazy amounts of time. How do you like hit reset? I mean, I, I know there's a lot of artists that just can't sit there and work on the same song for six hours. Like, how do you, if you're not there yet, you know the sound's not there, there's more work to do, but you've just been, going at it and going at it and going at it how do you go back and hit reset i think yeah you do find that like most of the time it, it flows pretty easily and you can mm-hmm. just keep rock it rock with it but you do find those times or those sessions or maybe especially if you're like writing a song from scratch like that first hour or two can be kind of demoralizing because it's just not <laughs> hitting and you just got to keep throwing stuff until something sticks so mm-hmm. there is a bit of discipline that's required and uh yeah, but it can be a bit soul crushing if it's not rolling right away. I think more from like a writing or a production standpoint, it can be hard to kind of push through. But eventually, it, it, something always comes. Right. It's just yeah, just. But and as far as like the like the stamina or whatever in the in the studio, um, I think that's just an acquired, just like a guitar player kind of gets calloused fingers. Like you just get used to listening to the same thing on loop yeah. sometimes for ten or twelve hours. <sighs> 
the same high at the loop. end of that the though you're kind of like loop. fuck oh, i'm done like people are like yeah man i'm gonna bump this mix on the way home in my car i'm yeah. like fuck that no nope. i'm driving home in silence <laughs> <laughs> no man i hear you for sure you know i should actually um i should have led with this man but how did this how did all of what you've been manifesting over the past 10 15 years how did that lead to you working on riverdale Riverdale. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. I was filling in for someone who was filling in for someone. Like, I don't do a lot of film work. My partner does a lot of film work. Um, but yeah, one of my other uh, colleagues, um, he works for the Feldman Agency, and he had this gig that he was filling in for someone, I think. And then he couldn't take the gig, and then I ended up doing it. And it was a cool gig. And I think what really sold it is just the actors who are on that show. Like, well, for Riverdale, I'm working right with the actors. And Whoa, what's, sorry, the, the actors are singing? Yeah, that's what's cool about that show is um, that in that show, anytime like an actor sings, like if Archie's in the cafeteria and he busts out his guitar, that's actually the actor KJ singing his parts. Wow. Now they pre-record it and they're lip syncing to their own pre-recording. Okay, they, sure. um, but what's really cool is that anytime a character sings in that show, it's the act, actual actor or actress themselves singing wow. it. So I ended up just kind of filling in for someone. And I just kind of hit it off. I forget who the first session was. It might have been KJ who played Archie or whatever, but I just got along with him. Um, and I think just a, kind of a relationship thing. And uh, Super cool. So, so that that's kind of a cool, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool credential, Netflix and doing all that. Again, it's not, I'm a rap producer, so it's, <laughs> it's not my bread and butter, but it's right. been a really cool experience. Mm. Um, and working with the actors and actresses, they're, they're super cool. KJ and Camila and Lily and stuff. It's, it's cool. Do you see yourself doing more of that in the future? Or you want to stick to the rapidly rap? Um, I'm open to it, but I think um, I I think my heart is more on the musical side of thing and and in the urban music side of mm-hmm. thing. So if I was going to pick how to spend my days, I, I like to pepper that in. Variety is the spice of life, but I wouldn't fill my weeks with it. No, got you for sure. Where would you say you're at? I mean, you're very you're a very established guy. I mean, you're you're well versed and you've been through a lot you've seen a lot of artists come through the studio you've had a lot of sounds you've worked in you know whether it's tv or or urban you've been around and uh so where do you see yourself what are your goals what are you trying to accomplish at this point like you've made it and you know you have your own studio you're working with high caliber artists what's next for you Hmm, i think just continuing to evolve i mean it's it's never enough i think i ask myself that question sometimes like man wouldn't like 16 years year old self think this is so cool i mean you're you got your own studio you make a living making music you know what i mean um but there's obviously still so far to go there's so much to build and you know my dream would be just to continue on the the path and you know just try and do everything i can to keep elevating and and be a part of what we were talking about earlier which is helping establish establish a scene for Vancouver and a sound and just my dream is is for someday for other markets to be copying what we're doing out here I, and I and I want to play a part of that and I and I feel like me and 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 the others out here that are working so hard I feel like it's totally ob- obtainable and I think we're on that path um, and I just want to continue pushing for that. That's the next step. Yeah, that's a... That's it's a, kind of an intangible. I don't know when that's going to be but I think the only thing that we can say is just keep working hard and try and be creative and just keep working. That's a very beautiful and humble response. I, I get it. Um, but if you were to pick maybe, I don't know, a couple of artists out from the universe and say, if you could have person X, Y, and Z roll through your studio in the next three weeks, who would they be? I think uh, Black I'd like to work with. Mm. I think he's a super creative guy. Um, I think just for the sheer commercial success, obviously I'd like to work with Drake. Um 
which is probably not that far off from a reality, man. Yeah, not, I think he, he's he he's great, and um, that's a good question. I haven't thought too hard about that, but someone like Black, like who just has a really cool, innovative sound, like his music really speaks to me. Um, I think I would like to work with someone like ASAP Rocky or someone like that, mm-hmm. or the whole ASAP Mob, and do a project with them. That'd be very just, cool. I, I like that that style of music. East Coast, original. East Coast, but 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 wavier, you know. Yeah, no, I got you for sure. I, listen, man, it's only a matter of time. I mean, as you know, the the community of hip hop is smaller than everyone thinks, and a lot of people know the same people. I'm sure that it won't be long until you know all of a sudden you're filling in for. 40 or yeah you know like who knows sure. hey fruition put it out there man put that to the universe <laughs> please <laughs> but you know in the meantime i think it's important uh that we all just keep working and kind of elevating what we're doing and and i think myself included just trying to put more effort into building a community and trying to build up other people even if it's not directly within your circle or directly benefit you um i think I've, that's one thing where if i had to kind of critically step back and think of ways that I can improve. You know, I've just been focused on building my business and building my clientele and, you know, trying to solidify what I'm doing from a business perspective mm-hmm. and, and just help my immediate clients and, and do that. But I think now that we're in a bit better of a position and, uh, you know, we got a little bit more time or to be able to pick and choose, I think maybe the prudent thing to do moving forward, uh, would be just to try and think about building that and not necessarily thinking a short term, right. what that means. I don't know, mm. but it's it- just, it's food for thought. No, no, totally. I, I, I totally get it. We've been speaking for, I don't know, two plus hours here, and you haven't mentioned uh, awards or accolades once. I mean, you're an award-winning guy. you Juno nominated. That doesn't seem to be on your radar at all. Uh, am, 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 I, am I wrong? Or, I mean, these are, these are not... Well, there's things, like, you like them, and it's cool. And I put, don't get me wrong, like, all, like, the awards that I've won are sitting right there on a table. So when you walk in the studio and rapper and his stone homies come and say, this why we fuck with this guy, man. Look at these awards. You know, it's like, I like them. They're cool to have. Um, but I think, I think just like anyone who does this for a living, you realize that it's more just about the work that you put out. And I don't want to say this with some sort of false sense of humility. It's cool. And on my website, if you go there, it says, you know, Juno Award nominated, you know, five-time blah winner or whatever it is. Um, but at the end of the day, I think within the industry on a, on a day-to-day, it's more just about the work you put in, right? Right. Or, or like what what the last project you put out sounds like. That's where your work comes from. I don't... I don't care if you someone won a Grammy in 1993. Like, what does the last couple projects you did sound like? So... Mm. Um, just try and just try and focus on like the end result because that's where that's where all your work comes from and that's where your respect comes from yeah no man i i get it like i i do but at the same time it's like i guess you're already there i mean well those are the awards i think that's more things that you put on a grant application if you're looking for funding because those are important things because in a certain sense it kind of elevates you it, 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 it just it just makes people it makes it clear that it's it's not it's not just all you're not trying to make things look good on paper there's mm-hmm. actual tangible results mm-hmm. the real results are actually in the music but you have to dive deeper to actually hear that and dissect it and take the time to press play and listen to it but if you're just looking at someone's one sheet you could say okay he's won a Juno award or whatever uh, that's just an easy at a glance but right. you have to dive deeper to dig to look into the music Ben it's it's super respectable you're, you seem like a very practical very tangible like no it's it's the devil's in the details it's about the work that you put out it's about the music that you're working with it's about who's there and what are you creating day to day and i think that's a a practitioner approach that we should all take honestly Exactly. when someone hits you up and they want to work they don't say hey man like i saw that you want to do you know or something like that like i think that that may play a factor but 
99 times out of 100 it's because they're like hey man i heard that tilo project and his vocals sound really clear on that like you know how much does a mix and master cost yeah. that's you know change tilo for whatever project but that's like 90 percent of my interactions with people start like that yeah yeah no and that's 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 beautiful man so when what are you working on now like can you say what 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 projects what albums what's coming up next when's the next mark album when's the next seth k album when's the next t Loke album give well, me the I got, details I got, give new, me the I got a new project one of the things i'm most excited about is seth k is a new album but i have to clarify he he has rebranded himself to side so his next Sorry. project is coming out as side um so abbreviated no just, just s-i-d-e okay cool um and uh is there a story behind it I think he just wanted to, he really felt strongly about re reimagining, like in being able to kind of step into a new style of artistry. And I think part of that was leaving the old name behind. Trust me, <laughs> we had some heated discussions, me and his team, like leaving behind uh, th those build, algorithms the brand, and the build yeah. on the Seth K, you know, some of those songs have a million plays or whatever. And it's just to walk away from that, I think was a bold move creatively. And he knows that I talked to him several times. Are you sure you want to do this? But that aside, what I will say is that his new music is really cool it's, and it really plays into that cloudy rainy Sweet. it's got a real cool glow to it so i think that's one project that i'm excited to release it's pretty much done it's almost fully mixed when can we expect it i know i thought it was going to be already out by now i don't okay. know <laughs> but I, I would say within the next few months awesome yeah awesome yes uh, early spring december january something like that and hopefully yep we'll awesome. see but yeah that's uh you know it's funny because it, it's not like he's walking away from something that wasn't working <laughs> you know yeah like, you know and hopefully we can just continue continue and and uh, parlay that momentum into this it's still the same thing it's still the same music he's just kind of taken what he's done in a bit more of an evolved direction a little less rap a little more melody mm. uh, but i think in doing that he's created a bit more he's creating a bit more of an uh, a lane for himself oh. and it's something that it'll be less easy to compare him to people which oh. something might he might have faced in the past a bit and i think he's really stepped into into his own on this new project sweet hey mate listen um i'm super excited for these projects coming out i'm i'm excited for you being at the forefront and uh, a humble and wholesome dude like yourself actually being at the forefront and working with these artists. Cause I know that you won't take credit for their work, but at the end of the day, your influence is shaping what will soon be our culture. And hopefully, you know, one day Seattle's like, man, we really need to figure out what they're doing up there in yeah, Vancouver. Man. You know, like that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. That'd be amazing. And, and I'm happy that you're at the, for the forefront of that. And I'm happy that you took the time and, and sat down with us, man. It's been, uh, it's, I've fucking learned a lot, man. It's uh, I this love. This has been fun. This has been great. I love sitting down and and hanging out with people that are smarter than me and more intelligent oh and, and fucking have gone further and gone <laughs> into their mastery and really picked their minds. So I appreciate the time, man. And uh, we're gonna look forward to. Um, those albums if you haven't already heard t Loke's album if you haven't already heard side's album if you haven't heard cole merck's album please go back yeah check out snack's new album too check it's a crazy snack's album. New album absolutely he's on tour right now with merck i believe one in. thing i will shout out for those guys to big up them is both that that uh, merck album and the snack album both charted in the billboard top 50 that's amazing so that's that's one accolade i will shout shout out and kind of mm -hmm. share in some glory that was a big kind of uh, a proud moment for us was to see those two local guys there charting on billboard so mm -hmm. that's one thing i'll shout those guys out and kind of maybe kind of big that one thing up that for was a sure. proud moment for all of us that's amazing yeah, man anyways man i appreciate the time uh thanks space listeners man i appreciate you guys if you sat through the whole thing my guy there's gonna be a lot of good a lot of good tidbits through here and uh jamie thanks for coming through i uh, look forward to having you on uh when you win that juno thanks buddy <laughs> appreciate you till next time <laughs>